0: hello and welcome to this week's episode of the free on free podcast we're still doing midterms reviews and tonight we have guildford and Belfast Giants. But as ever, I need people to help me do that. So we have the Diva John, how are you, mate?
1: I'm pretty good, boys. Good to be on again. How are you both doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Um and David, um a rare Sheffield loss. But how are you, mate?
2: Not too bad, thank you. Uh quiet weekend, but uh, yeah, it was enjoyable uh, seeing the uh interaction on the the loss last night. I'm sure we'll uh, go over that in some detail later on. So, as Scott mentioned, we're doing the midterms and we're going to do a bit rare. Um, when I say rare, it's not the team that's rare, is we found one of their fans. It is kind of like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. We've actually got one and he's agreed to come on. So we are doing the Guild Flames and we're delighted to welcome Will Martin onto the pod. Will, how are you,
3: Meta? Very good, thanks, David. Thanks for having me on. Nice to meet you all.
2: Not at all. Um, I'm looking forward to this because, uh, like I say, we don't see, even on social media, we don't see many of of your fans um, giving us the lay down of how everything's going down the spectrum. So, first question. um, How's the season gone so far from your perspective? Bear in mind just how close you guys got to winning the league and everything last year.
3: Yeah, I think think you have to talk about it in context of last year um, because, you know, we surpassed my expectations, pretty much everyone's expectations. Finished second in the league, came within a whisker of, of winning it um, and, and played some really, really good hockey. Um, and I think the club then looked to try and build on it for this season. If you look over the summer, um, we lost a couple of players that I think the club, I imagine, um, and most of the fans did not want to see go. So Tedesco went to Belfast um, and, we, and we lost Lakovic as well to Glasgow. Um, Tedesco is an obvious one because, you know, top scorer in the team. But Lakovic brought a lot to the table. Um, he added a lot of experience. He played in all situations. He's a real team guy. And and he was, a, he was a big player for us. So to lose him was disappointing. And then we made some changes to try and strengthen. So M- McNulty, one of your um, previous guests, uh, went to Coventry and is, is doing really well, actually. Um, and we moved on Sam Markland um, and one or two others. And then over the summer, the club then obviously have tried to invest and bring in some new talent. Um, Lewis Hook came in from Belfast. Um, And has done really well. Um, We brought in Anthony Petrozelli, Matt Alvaro from Fort Wayne Comets. uh, Brian Lemos came in from the East Coast League. Ryan Hughes from the University of Alberta and one or two others. So I looked at it personally at the start of the season and thought we've lost Tedesco, um, which he and he's kind of irreplaceable if you're you're a Guildford. Um, But I thought what we lost in a standout player, we, we got in depth. And I thought that on paper, we have more depth as a team um the the first month though just couldn't have gone any worse um i think if you look at mid october points percentage wise we were bottom of the league so then come the inevitable um you know gilford flash in the pan last season was 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 a one-off and uh some of the fans were getting fairly irate i, I think personally i felt that it would come good um because I, I'm, not, I'm not saying i'm going to win the league but i thought we would certainly improve um because that the players were simply too good not to improve Um, The club made some changes around mid-October. Petrozelli went back to the ECHL. Uh, we, We released Logan Fredericks. Um, and Brian Lemos left just a little bit after that, which was more of a self-imposed one. And we brought in Patrick Beikoff, um, who's new to the league, came in from Slovakia. Uh, Stephen McParland, who people will remember from Glasgow, has come in and done a done a really good job. He came in from the German third tier, and then Austin Glover came in from France. And a combination of that that sort of you know new blood coming in and just an uptick in form, we have we have really improved since then. Um, I wouldn't say we're playing sort of lights-out hockey, um, to be honest. It's, a bit, it's been a bit a stop-start. Um, but then I think Sheffield aside, it looks to me at the moment like everyone can kind of beat everyone. Um, but we, we've definitely improved and going from effectively bottom of the league to now we're, we're fourth in the league, but we're, we're one point behind Belfast in second. Um, and we've got um, a second leg of a cup semi-final coming up with a, a shot getting to the Challenge Cup final. So given where we were after a month, personally delighted where we are, but I still think there's room for uh, more improvement.
2: I can answer, and you've just destroyed my order of questions. <laughs> we so, can go so, back. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> go, on, go on to the players that you mentioned signing. And one of the ones that you, you brought in that was looked at from outside in a bit of a risky signing um, for many reasons was Lewis Hook. but it had actually been outstanding. You add him alongside Ben O'Connor, who's been the point producers, And you mentioned the depth, but the British depth that you've got, that's actually scoring. You've always had some decent Brits, but the scoring element, has that made a difference um, to your season from, in essence, your your time in the Elite League?
3: It really has. I mean, I mentioned Lakovic earlier um, and who's been a sort of, you know, one of the standout Brits for, you know, over a decade. But he was never really putting the points up. So to have Hook come in, we were all pleased to see him come in. but I think he was playing, and he put some decent minutes and points up at, at Belfast. But I think he was playing third line there from memory. Um, he's come in here, he's slotted in on the uh, first line with Brett Ferguson and Peter Cronella. And he's, he's done really well. It was a bit, like, a bit like a duck to water. I mean, I remember Lewis Hook from the EPL days when he's playing for Milton Keynes. Um, and, and I thought he was looked a good player. Memory actually scored a goal that stopped us going to the Coventry playoffs one year in the EPL. And I always thought he looked good, but I never really thought he'd kind of go on to that next level. Um, but no, I, you know, personally, I expect him to be um, a regular now, hopefully in the, in the GB setup, up. Um, and, you know, he, he's he's really kicked on He's and he's playing all situations. You know, he's kind of he's playing PK. He's playing he's playing first um, power play unit, um, putting up excellent numbers. And he's a top scoring Brit in the league um, above Robert Dowd, actually, who's also having a unbelievable season as well. So I can't knock him personally. He's
2: certainly having a good time down at Spectrum. Talk about Paul Dixon. Um, he's someone that we're a fan of on this podcast. 25 years of an organisation, which is something you don't hear of. Um, but he normally sticks to his guys. He normally keeps them and he rarely releases unless he has to, unless there's like a big offer. But he's gone against that this year and he's made changes quickly. Do you reckon, even after a, a longer time he's had with the Flames, he, he's learnt from last year how close he goes. And it's kind of the, don't to leave it too late, make the changes now if he can do. Do you reckon there's a bit of learnings coming off of you?
3: I think so. Yeah, I mean, you certainly hope so. And it it does look like it from the outside. Um, You know, I think you've got to remember, it was only, what, six, seven years ago in our last EPL season, we finished fifth in the EPL with Paul Dixon as coach with quite an aging squad. And you thought, is this guy really going to be the right guy to lead us into the Elite League? I, I mean, obviously, we all hoped it would go well, but, you know, without fail every player I've heard interviewed on on your podcast or, or other podcasts and, and ones I've spoken to all speak incredibly highly of him not just in terms of being a good guy and being a you know a, a player's coach but the guy's got some ability um and, and and to your point you know he's not afraid to make cuts you know he, he's he, he does like to have a, a core that comes back season after season but he's proven here if you're not performing they they will ship you out of Guildford um, so, yes, I think there's There's definitely been a learning curve there. Um, but equally, he does like to keep that nucleus together um, and sort of built it around sort of, you know, t- t- four to five players each season that are kind of the, the rock solid starters. And then, you know, he, he tries to build around that. So big fan of him. He, um, he's a good coach, very good coach, in, in my opinion, arguably even the best rich coach in the league and that might be a bit controversial but I, I genuinely believe that and I'm sorry <laughs> I see the applause there um I couldn't
2: we find a Guildford fan and that's it cards on the table
3: <laughs> I like it controversial but I genuinely do and and it's and it couldn't you know be a nicer bloke having having met him as well so um you know we're lucky to have him
2: we've heard a lot of, not just from the ones that we've interviewed on this podcast but when you talk to others and you always hear good stuff about him I'll be honest with you I would be surprised if he's the next GB coach when Peter decides his time is done. Move back on the Flames, and you mentioned the consistency. You you brought back McCadden and Burnham between the pipes. Um you you see team when they change it time by time and the tech, the, the goal is to take time to get used to the surroundings and everything. But having that caught back, the one two, was that a bit of a bonus for the Flames this year?
3: It was. Um and McAdam, um, probably Greenfield aside in the league. To, to my mind, and Bounds, to be fair, is 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 certainly one of the standout net miners in the league, um, and, and we are lucky to to have him back. And the guy has won a lot of games for us, particularly on the road. He tends to play in, against the, the against the harder teams. If I'm if I'm honest, especially away in the arenas. Taz Berman um, has not had as good a season. He actually played really well tonight, uh, to be fair, uh, but had a bit of a, a dip early in the season and had some time out. But he seems to have come back refreshed and and sort of managed to build his confidence back up. So. But yeah, they work like a good tandem. Um, you know, McAdam takes the bulk of the work, but it is a it is a is a two-person job. And um, we have been lucky with them because they've been, yeah, pretty solid overall.
2: And a player that you mentioned that was a bit of a a, a loss to the Flames in, t- in terms of the points and goals in Tedesco, but Cunella comes in and he's banging the goals left-right centre. Do you feel, when you mentioned that you had the fear of, of losing Tedesco and the points that he brought and the goals... You've kind of replaced that very easily with with Cronella.
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. And when Cronella came in. I- in you know during sort of the you know the summer before last before um, Tedesco and Cronella came in on paper Cronella was the one we we're all excited about he's the one who had a point per game in the ECHL and um, really looked like you know he was going to be a game changer for us Tedesco then um, you know coming coming from from Europe um, we, we knew would be good but was surprised I think a lot of people including myself and how good he was um, but yeah Cronella's basically effectively said right I'm stepping up onto that that top line. And and you can see his confidence has grown. He's he's trying attempting plays now that he wasn't uh, previously. And I think he's I think he's second highest goal scorer in the league, um which is you know testament to him. And um yeah, he's come on leaps and bounds. He's just playing with that confidence now, and you can see he's taken it upon himself to be one of the leaders in the group, and it's it's been great to see. You mentioned
2: earlier on, um semi-final of the chance Cup last night was a goalless draw um, up in Glasgow. All to play for, but do you reckon, you know, advantage Guildford with the, with the one-off game in your own barn?
3: You, you've got to be careful what you say, but yeah, I mean, in theory, yes, it should be. Um, we played, it was a, I, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it last night, um, but we, by all accounts, gave it, it was a, it was a really good game and, and didn't feel like a nil-nil. Um, so no we're very pleased obviously to sort of have a second leg back at the spectrum and you'd like to think with the travel then it, it should be advantage to us but Glasgow are, you know they've got some high-end players um, I think they, they took a bit of a, a defeat tonight but no I, I, I rate them um, so hopefully it's advantage to us and then we'll see what comes in the final if we get there
2: You mentioned travel sorry is it Will or is it Tom Cooley of Fife uh, just confused there slightly um, <laughs> so final question for you before I bring John and Scott in covers to the mask is Guilford going to win anything this year? Is it going to be the season that Guildford gets their um maiden title in the Elite League era?
3: Um we're not going to win the league I think I personally I don't I don't see that happening. Um you never know but I think you know Sheffield looks so strong at the moment and and they've got you know they've had a brilliant summer in terms of the, what their rosters is looking like and um but uh, you know I think league-wise um I'd be happy with the top four finish because you're you're in and amongst the the big boys in the league, and I think we're we're there or thereabouts on that. For us, the Challenge Cup is our is our biggest chance. Um, obviously, you know we've got to, A, we've got to get past Glasgow, and B, then it will be um, I think Coventry or Sheffield in the final. Um, but you know, it, I, I'd like to think we've got a reasonable chance of making the final. But well, then we'll see from there. Good answer.
1: Of course, you must be still stung after what happened last season. Um, we may be a little bit guilty of maybe pre-hunting <laughs> the U-win in the league. We may have put some ribbons on a, a certain trophy before it happened. I know you're a fan, and I'm sure, obviously, you know, you'd love to have more influence on the team if you could. Lovely players, I'm sure, will be still smarting from last season, as well. the coach and you fans as well. It, it must still sting a little bit, and you've been all very diplomatic. Every golfer fan we've spoken to, oh, we did well. You must be a bit gutted still to lose
3: our title last season after for so long looking like it was home and dry 100% um, if I'm honest it, it feels like it's the one that, that got away um, and you know and, and you always like to put the positive on it and say we got so close and we'll go that step further it it looks like it probably won't, it may not happen this season in terms of the league so let's hope we're not looking back in ten years' time, going that was the one that got away because we were so close. And there were there were there were a couple of weekends. There was this double header against Manchester where we lost back to back in the middle of the season. That it just you know we we. That was the moment where a few of us were looking around and just thinking maybe we've lost our lost our chance here. But I, personally, I think that it's that sort of winning mentality. Belfast just went into overdrive after after Christmas and they were just a complete wagon and we just we couldn't get anywhere near them. So I think at the end of this, the season, I think they deserved it. They were so strong in the final straight that I can't deny them that. But but yeah, no, it, 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 it's it's I have to say that was incredibly close and it, it does still hurt. Yeah. And, it, and and let's hope it's not the closest we do get. Let's hope we do get over the line at some stage soon.
1: Yeah. And as you say, if you can take a positive, it's a good experience to know what it needs to win to, to get that last little sort of, you know, over the line. And, and if, if I'm a coach in that room, I'm still trying to draw positives from it, even though it's going to sting. Of course you've got, that, as you said, semi-final coming up. You, yeah. You've got advantage of course, having to, got that draw on the road. Where do you see the weaknesses in, in the Glasgow from what you've seen of Glasgow so far? What do you think you can exploit them at in the home leg when you play them in you know, the next next time around?
3: Um it's tricky. I mean, they've 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 shipped, you know, a load of goals tonight, but then it was a 0-0 game last night. So I mean, they look pretty well balanced to me. Um I rate Gary Hayden, um yeah. Jake Bolton, um as is, is, is a is an ex Guildford guy yeah. who's who's been been playing well up there. Um I'm a big fan of Dyson-Stevenson, actually. I just like the way he plays. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think they're a pretty well-balanced team. Um, you know, like, like I said earlier, hopefully on 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 home ice, we hold the advantage, but that's going to be really tough to get to the final.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm well known for being the crap uh, predictor, so I'll make no predictions on your behalf and
3: make some
1: on you. One thing, you obviously come back from the game this evening. um heard from my missus earlier that you guys spent 15 hours on a bus last night, obviously broke down. Um, that's not the best preparation to play a team like Cardiff at all. Um, do you know much about what happened there? Did they actually get to go and spend some time in the hotel or were they on a the bus all night and straight back to uh, Surrey to play a game?
3: I don't know all the details, but I'm just looking at Dixon's um, post-game interview from tonight and he talked about being on the bus for 15 hours. So, you know, the game finished uh, and he said we got back sort of early afternoon. So, so my assumption is finish the game, you know, Left the building, or on the bus from then until early afternoon until we got back. So then it would have presumably been a quick turnaround, quick quick kit for anyone who, who was able to, and then and then coming in and it, and we looked like it. The first period, I mean, we we were lucky um, to sort of still be in the game. Cardi came out, you know, firing, and we really really struggled. Luckily, we sort of came back into it in the second period and played really really well. But Dixon was really complimentary of the players in the post-match interview because he said that was far from ideal um, preparation, and um, yeah, that was that was a tough one.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And to be fair, to even get a point after a a night that they've had, whether they got to spend time in a hotel or not, fair play to the guys. Last one before Scott comes in. One thing that's always amazed us on the pod is that Guildford as a club don't seem to completely maximise revenue. They don't really do sponsorships on shirts. They don't do 50-50 for two periods. Why do you think that is? Because there's so many other clubs doing things differently to Guildford. And yet Guildford still do things very well. They still sign good players, and still, you know, can afford to pay good salaries.
3: Why don't they actually learn from other teams and maybe do things like other teams do? It's it's a really good question, um, and it's one that myself and other fans have asked over the years. I mean, you know, when you travel around to different um, rinks around around the league, you see that you can go in and just the shop and just buy a jersey. You know, what what would you want today? I'll have a, you know, ex player jersey, please, in whatever size. With us, you don't. It's it's the game worn jerseys, or that's it. Um, I've heard different things. Like you know, I've heard once that we actually make a lot of money selling our um, game worn jerseys at the end of year um, dinner. Um, some I've seen them go for you know, over a thousand pounds, for example. Maybe that's something about living in Guildford. I don't know, but there's there's some people that prepare to pay that, um, and and they do. Um, and, and the club, I've heard an argument that says, but they wouldn't spend that sort of money if there was all these shirts available or jerseys available during the season. Who knows if that's true or not? Um, the merchandise um, is kind of, it's bought at the start of the season. It runs down and then when it's gone, it's gone. So it is disappointing. Um, and, to, and to your point, John, um, we do question it. Um, but but we're very lucky when you look at the Hepburn family, and what they've done for the club and the money that's going into the club um it I doesn't seem that again the other thing you hear within flames fans is certain fans flame fans will say "We're, you know we're one of the lowest budget teams in the league and you know we, we really really punch above our weight i don't buy that uh, if you look at our roster there's really good players in there. how are we of the lowest budget teams in the league we're not um you know we, we all heard about teams coming in and trying to poach our best players the, the owners more often than not put their foot down and say no you know we will match that so i don't buy it i the we don't get the bums on the seats we don't get the money through the merchandise but we're lucky to have the backing we do from from the Hepburn family um and when they need to put their, their hand in their pocket they've they've shown that they will so so i agree with you there's certainly more that can be done but i feel quite grateful very grateful in fact that we've got this team playing you know in in a in a town in surrey um playing the highest level of uk ice hockey i live in Guildford. so it's like you know i i am i do feel very very grateful for what we've got um and despite those quirks, you know, the on-ice product is very strong. So, um, yeah, we're, we're in a fairly good position and quite lucky, I feel, overall.
0: I'm, I'm really glad you said that you're not a low-budget team. Um, we're not buying it. You're not buying it. It's great to see. The following on from John's question, do you feel like, because you are zero presence on social media, zero presence social media from the club, you just kind of get on with it. Do you feel like if you had more avenues to speak out to the owners from club to that and to build yourselves up would work or you see it with other fan bases having the access to the players having the access to twitter and slamming on would bring the players down Do you, it's, it's, is it it's a, a looking is a medium you've got to find
3: it's it's a really good question and you know when you look at the post-game interviews and i don't want to dig anyone out but it's like you know short question short answer done that's it um you know if a player's out on injury reserve. The club do not publicise what the injury is, how long they're out for, etc. If you contact the club, generally, actually, you'll get a response. and They will tell you. So it's not like they're hiding it, but they just they choose not to publicise it. Um, there's a new um, social media company that got involved this season. And, you know, the level of engagement on social media, it has improved. Um, but when you see some of the, the, the content that goes out of the clubs, I mean, that, that Cardiff video from pre-season was so good you know uh, sort of a, a week in the life of the players pre-season when they went on their boot camps and, and, and all, all that it was, it was so good and it bring it does bring the bring the fans closer i take your point around sometimes that goes too far and, cl- and some of the fans get almost too engaged and too too excited but i think there's a happy medium there where you can sort of give the fans a bit more without opening the floodgates so no certainly i would like to see more but yeah hopefully we're sort of moving towards that but it is far from perfect at the moment
0: and just one more from me, Will. Obviously you got Lewis Hook in. Ben O'Connor is a an agent, Ben O'Connor. Do Guildford have the prowess to get a really strong brick core in? Do you feel like there is the attractiveness to go down to Guildford and build that core? Because in the season where we say about quality in the league and the Brits are very important,
3: we 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 stamp that every week. Could you have a, a really, really strong brick core? It's a really good question, and um, as I was, I sort of, you know, waiting to speak to you guys earlier, I was thinking about what sort of questions you might ask. And I thought, if, if you know, if you do ask the question around where we could improve, number one, I might—I've well, got two things actually. Number one is that I think we need our second line centre is a position that maybe we could, we could potentially uh, improve. But but the brick group is is another. So it would have been great to have held on to Lakovic and added Hook, um, but we lost one and gained one. So I felt like net net, we're kind of um there or thereabouts even though the the, the uh the sort of point production has gone up but but to your point you know when you look at someone like josh tetlow uh, who went um into europe um and then he, he's he's from the south so you know you'd like to think that when he's when he's coming back to the uk Guildford should be a destination he come to but maybe that's unrealistic maybe you know I, i'll be surprised if well i'd like to, you'd like to think that players would look at it and go so if i go to nottingham or I go to Guildford, where have i got more chance of winning you know if i'm being polite it's it's about the same you wouldn't necessarily say you've got much better chance of winning something at nottingham it must be the arena it must be like the gravitas and the sort of the atmosphere and the prestige of playing in this big arena and maybe that's you know you you shouldn't deny how important that is to players but it is a shame because like to directly answer your question can we go out and 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 hire a you know a stellar brit when when ben o'connor eventually steps down we're going to struggle, frankly. And I don't know what it is that, you know, when we finished second last season, saying to, to my mates I go to the game with that hopefully now players will see us as, you know, we can compete. We are amongst these, these big teams. But the reality is, you know, Waller went to Cardiff. Um, we've not been able to attract big Brits when they're coming back to the league. Um, I'd love to give you the answer why. I think it must be something like around a set around the sort of prestige of those bigger clubs. But I'd like to be proven wrong, but uh, at the moment, it doesn't look like we can get those top-end Brits at the moment.
0: I'll leave you with the final word. Will, can you give me your league finish position and are you going to win the Challenge Cup and making Final Four?
3: It's, uh, it's, my, it, it, it's, it's heart versus head, isn't it, a little bit. But I think um, the Challenge Cup, I, I would like to think we will get to the final. Um, if we play Sheffield in the final, I think we're going to be up against it. Um, But I I think there's a reasonable chance of getting there. So I'm going to go and say we're going to win the Challenge Cup. I'm going to be bold and say we're going to win the Challenge Cup. So we're going to get our first piece of silverware um, in in our Elite League short history. Um, We will finish fourth in the league, which I think is a respectable finish, given um, where we started off. Um, I think we'll make finals weekend.
1: I think I agree with Two at least of those. The <laughs> third point. The third point. You do have to win in Sheffield. So again, you've got to navigate that semi-final first of all. And Sheffield have two tough games, even to have this this conversation. Um, all three of us were there um, in December, watching Guildford beat Sheffield, mm. and we and we worked out the system in the first five minutes, and we like, okay, we are like in the last row at the back of the arena, not a bad view to see what's going on on the ice, to be fair, Yeah. and. Uh, Sheffield's bench couldn't work out why they, they couldn't score. So it could be a three for three. I think that's not a bad little Sheffield. I agree with fourth and I agree with the finals. And you know how to beat
3: Sheffield. So I think that's a pretty uh, good two out of three for me anyway, hopefully. Let's hope so. I think, like I said, given where we started, that would feel like a success. And then the big question is, right, go again season after and, and try and improve. But uh, no, given where we started, I think we're in a pretty good position as we stand in uh, sort of middle of January.
0: Will, thanks very much for joining the podcast.
3: Pleasure, boys. No, it's really, really great. And I said to you offline um, before, genuinely appreciate what you guys are doing for the league. I think it's really important to have a, a fan-based podcast and you fill the void. And so thank you and well done for everything you've done so far. Cheers, Cheers Will. Cheers,
0: thank Will. you very
3: much. Big thanks to Will there. Um, John, David, don't
0: know about you, but really impressive to hear a Guildford voice and he certainly knew his stuff and came across well. David, what do you think?
2: We can just end it there. We heard a Guildford voice. Done, dusted. Move on to the next one. Um, no, it was great. Uh, Will spoke very well. Made us actually sound a bunch of idiots, which probably we are, but we don't want to be heard. Um, you know, spoke well, spoke in depth. Did his research. Um, and was honest. And when I mean, you kind of have the team midterms that we've done. And sometimes you think, are you being honest? Are you trying to pump the tyres too much? I felt he was down middle of the road, but honest. He was, he critiqued well, praised at the right times. I loved it. You know what, when we finally get a a second voice, what a voice to have on.
1: Yeah, well impressed. Very eloquent, very well-spoken, very hockey knowledgeable. Um, He clearly has been around the game a long time. He's he's referred to, you know, a few things off off air about the EPL and stuff as well. Made a few points I agree with. Um, I think they struggle possibly to get Brits because of the rink that's the reality of it the rink isn't the best rink it's never going to be better than what it is but they look after the players we all hear stories about how the players are looked after so players do sort of stick around at Guildford for that reason it's close to London and uh, yeah good to have him on he knows his
0: stuff and uh, brought a lot to the pot. did indeed and we will certainly have him back on and it will be interesting to see if the Guildford Flames do actually win the Challenge Cup like Will predicted I must be honest. I think John said it.
2: If they do make the final, and I'm not saying this is gonna happen, but if it's Sheffield, they have a good
1: record at Sheffield. They do. Especially in the sellout building. Is it Fauna trap It's it's there. It's doable. I think I think it's Fawn Trot. I, I like his fourth place league prediction. I think he's being realistic there. Still think the other three teams are better than Guildford and I would fancy him to get more points. Fancy him to get maybe as well to the playoff weekend. Hopefully his
0: two out of three predictions are right and the one important one is wrong. Mm, I would like to see the Blaze get the fourth spot, but we move on. So now we need to talk about the Belfast Giants. And to talk about the Belfast Giants, we have Paddy Smith on. Paddy,
4: how are you, mate? I'm good, guys. I'm good. Listen, thank you very much once again for the invitation. As I said last time I was here, you guys have... A um, more than capable, capable, erudite and intelligent voice for the Belfast Giants in Smith, and he is fantastic on there. So to have me back, I am very grateful. So it's good to see you boys again. Hope it's you're good. all well.
0: It's good to see you. So I've asked the last two guests I've had on with their midterm reviews, give a two or three word review of the Belfast Giants season so far.
4: Un- underwhelming. Um, what is it? Full of expectation, not met, basically. If you want to, if, a few words, Scott, um, uh, we spoke at the beginning of the season, more or less, everybody, all four of us who are sitting here now, uh, and I guess we all, everybody expected a lot more from this Belfast Giant side, and it just hasn't transpired, has it?
0: It's not, but the team is second in the table as we yeah. speak. It's, it's, it's been a weird year for the Belfast Giants, you. Storm to the CHL win over the expectations we did, getting a couple of wins. You went on that massive run. And mm-hmm. in, what, what do you think happened after that? Um Belfast is a pressure cooker. Am I right in saying that the players maybe got a little bit ahead of themselves and when a couple of results didn't go their way, they felt the heat a little bit?
4: Possibly the, the the weight of the shirt weighs heavy uh, in Belfast, and you know, and rightly so. Over the last number of years, we have been, you know, the the dominant side with regards to silverware um, in the Elite League. Um, so the expectation comes year on year that the incumbents should meet that of their predecessors, and you know, maybe that's unfair at times because you know. We all we, we follow this league. We've all followed this league in, for for many, many, many years. Um, while we all do, you know, for us the badge on the front remains the same, but the names on the back don't, and therefore you still maintain that expectation from the players coming in to meet the standards of the players who have gone. You look at the players that we lost. Uh, and you know, and the guys who have gone to to you know some of the better things, some of the different things. You look at Steve Ari, who's playing, who's playing a great game out in in, in the Alps. You've got you know. Um... Uh, Scott Conway, who is sometimes suffering a trouncing and trencing, but it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, but he's still a top level player at our standard. You look at, uh, Sammy Rupp, who is, you know, fighting his way through in the Germans. And, you know, you know, they, these are top level players. So therefore, we see these players and the players who won the Grand Slam. And then we see the incumbents come in and we think, right, you, you have to be like those boys. And that's what we expect. Now, at the start of the season, we all, I said, we all looked at those players. Um, you boys included, and we all thought that that roster was more than capable to to battle at the top of this league. And you're right, we are second in the league. But yeah, let's let's look at the figures and and, and look at some. You know, maybe we're looking at this through a prism as well of how relentless the Sheffield Steelers have been. You know, and you know sometimes that happens. However, um, from a Giants perspective, there's been a lot of frustration. Players have come in with big reputations. Players have come in with known reputations. And um, maybe haven't cut the mustard. Uh, yes, I think that after that run, and to put that run that you mentioned there outside of the CHL, uh, to put that run in its context, though, look look at the Challenge Cup group, and you know, and the teams that were still trying to find their feet. So you put you throw all those in. Now, granted, all those teams in, in that Challenge group, Cup group have now beat us at the, in this league. Uh, subsequently, but but that's when the Giants were more or less in full flow the guys were enjoying their CHL time and you know that's where it was. We suffered some significant injuries. Um I'm never one I never, never like blaming injuries because every team has injuries, some more than others. If you can keep a consistent level of fitness in this league and keep the consistency, then you will make a run. Sheffield's an example of that. But and we're an example of that last year. But we did suffer some significant injuries that really, really hurt us. Um not least the one likes of Jackson Whistle, uh, I and mean, way may be a bit part player at times. The load that was put on Tyler Beskarawani, and I listened to you boys, and I, I, and I fully agreed. You, know, there were times when Tyler Beskarawani didn't look like Tyler you Now that's sort of turned around now, um, but I'm sort of in the long winded way of of um, I'm sort of long windedly agreeing. We feel a little bit, Scott. I think that you know there was a point where the, the results didn't go our way and we fell into a bit of a rut. We do that at times. In November, we did that last year, and we come out of it. We lost back-to-back games against the Manchester Storm. It changed our season. We went on a run to win the league. But again, those were different players.
0: We joked about it a lot on this podcast. No. When, no, oh, we did. We did. And we. the big thing with bringing Petr Cech in and... You, you told me more that he was in the group and he was there for three weeks, which kind of put my standing a little bit back on it. But why didn't the Belfast Giants bring in someone of a import goalie that could have been around for two, three months when you have the pool to bring players in? Why do you think Keith was reluctant or maybe couldn't bring in another goalie?
4: I don't know. Um, is a, is a simple answer? I understand what you are saying. It, it all, de- I guess, it all depended on who's available who's available to come in, who would be of a significant standard that would be able to be and push Tyler Bessker or just just take a bit of the load off him. Um, How long would they be available for? And would they be willing to come in and just sit? Because what you don't want to do is bring in an import netminder and piss off Jackson Whistle, who is not an import, but actually does a job of, you know, who's, who's supposed to be in that sort of, top-level British goalie who was maybe not an import but approaching that level so you don't want to piss him off by basically saying right we've got this guy here who's going to do it excuse me um I don't think that the Giants saw the load that the header check was anything other than a a means to take load off in training and B really good story really good story. Like it's like, like we all know that, that uh, sorry, we all know that Petr Cech was playing it for Oxford city. We know he was playing in Guilford. We know he was playing to. We all knew that he was already in this game. So to make that step up to the elite league, allowed it to be a bit more pro- and it give good, you know, it was a good bit of PR for the Belfast Giants, Um, sticking them on in a game that was dead, even, even better PR for the Belfast Giants. Um, Great PR for us and a from the bridge as well. We, we got a bit of time with them and says and did a great job there. Um, but yeah, would have been ideal to bring in an import netminder to support Tyler Beskerwani through that stage because he was obviously either ill or hurting. Yes, absolutely, it would be. Why we didn't? Maybe because you don't want to piss off other players. And you look at um, Peyton Jones last year, and you know he had to go when when Tyler came in because he wasn't going to you know get that slot. And you make those decisions.
0: Yeah. You, I mean, we spoke a lot in the season. You always say, Scott, this is sport, and you need sports one team wins nine doesn't but yeah. in the doldrums where you weren't getting results uh you're listening to a, a view from the bridge and simon was pretty critical about the fan base do the fan base need to appreciate that you've been on such a run in the last couple of years that you can't win it and there sometimes their critique isn't going to help a team that is struggling
4: yes yes um i i I think that the critique, I think the critique is one thing, abuse is another. And that's something I remember saying. And yes, Simon, you know, I love Simon and Simon's opinions are forthright and frank and that's what I love about it. Um, But sometimes and, you know, me and Simon have a, had a back and forth with regards to it and we've had some people sending me direct messages on Twitter and saying, you know, you can't do that, you can't say that. You can, so long as it's just a conversation and an argument. That's, that's you know, it's not a case of, you know, yes, we might be close to the organisation and Simon sees these guys day in, day out and you know, and, and if he sees one of if you know, like any of you boys, if you see one of your mates getting slagged off on on Twitter or on social media, it puts your back up, right? So you're going to go, you're going to go into bat for them, absolutely. Um, but you know, so I understand why Simon has his opinions. Personally, it'd be a bit rich of me on a view from the bridge to basically nod along and say I get it, mate, because I've spent. 20-odd years on, on forums and social media, slagging off players and slagging off people. And, you know, so, you know, But and I, I'm fully aware that you know, people are more than willing, or sorry, more than entitled to their opinions. Just don't push it too far. And sometimes people push it too far. And they're not robots. The lads aren't robots. They will be watching this. And some of them don't have experience in this league, and some of them don't have experience. They... I don't think there are many leagues around the world that has such a social media presence as the Elite League does with regards to fans. There's so much content generated from a, from a in game, out of game and just opinions. And that's something that's just gen. Change. I spoke to you boys about this before. I think it sort of changed the you know, fandom in in regards to sport. Is that now you're now twenty four hours a day. Twenty four hours a day, opinions can be gen- generated. Twenty four hours a day, people can say things and people can read things and you can tag people in and and if and if you know these guys, you know if they if they. Look if they look up their name, they'll they'll find out an opinion of somebody who's probably sitting you know, it's obviously sitting in his mum's in his mum's attic, but not, it just be some might be some guy who's just had a few too many drinks who's got a bit annoyed at losing a game and said something stupid. And any of us would if you sit and read anything and somebody slags you off, yeah, you might not take it fully to heart, but it's gonna have an effect.
0: The challenge cup exit to the conference place, I
4: mean. Oh, why do you bring that up, mate? I
0: have to, mate. I why do you have to bring to. that up? You were cruising, and uh, yeah. that the second period you you were dominating the Coventry players. Mm-hmm. What, if you could put a finger on it, what went wrong? And it's it's a very disappointing point. Two, two in, things in the Belfast season.
4: Two things. Um, one, I feel that there was a level where we took our foot off the gas and thought we're at home, we're four goals up. That that is that. Right, I think that happened, and um, you, you know we've 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 all watched enough hockey to know that when a team does that and lifts the foot off the gas, it's very difficult to put the foot back down again. Um, you threw into it, and you may dis you may agree, you may disagree. There were a lot of goals there that you can't really account for. You know, there was a goals that bounces off a the back. There was a goal. It was um, there was a goal that was offside. There was a goal. You know, there there are there are there were goals there that weren't accountable. You can't account for. So yes it's frustrating because the giants should not have been in that position you know and all credit to the Blaze, you know they 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 took the chances and they walked away with you know into the semi-finals of the challenge cup as they deserved to do um do i look at that game and think you know we balled up yes i do but i've seen us balls up worse and i think uh, over the years and i i i recall going into the nic thinking we'd won the challenge cup and losing you know it you know, is I can't, I can't throw shit at the guys for that. I think they, I think they went off under a real. They were cruising. They went four 0 up. They took the foot off the gas. They got hit by a couple of just unfortunate goals. The, the puck luck wasn't there, and they suffered for it.
0: Goals for the Belfast Giants are few and far between in points production. <laughs> Quinn Preston, who left, who is still your top goal scorer. You've mm-hmm. only got one player, Nazarian, that's got into double figures. The rest are just chipping in here and there. Yep. What, What is the issue with the firepower with the Belfast Giants, do you feel?
4: If if any of you guys know the answer, if you could just address it to <laughs> A. Keith and Glenn Gormley, then maybe I'll... Um, What's the issue? Some some people just aren't producing the way we expected to. Look at Daniel Tedesco. Who thought that Daniel Tedesco, after the season he had last season in in um in Guildford, would come into the Belfast Giants and struggle, well, Fatty struggle as he has. He's uh, he's had a really difficult start to the season. Or start to the season. Fucking January. He <laughs> started. First half of the season, like he's had a very difficult first half of the season. And even you know, Scott, uh, uh, I'll bring a smile to your face. Even tonight's game against the uh against the Coventry Blaze. You look at that penalty shot that he took. It just didn't make any sense. He just some of the times, some of the decisions he makes. And you know, players like that who we all thought were coming into the Belfast Giants we're going to do haven't cut the mustard. Some of the guys have. You know, I think the Barriga, losing Elijah Berga was, was was a big blow at the start of the season because I thought he started really well, um. But yeah, I think you know when you're when you're not getting the results, it's very difficult to sort of pinpoint the exact. Because I think defensively we've been all right, but you're right, the goal scoring Aaron Azarian has been good, Sato has been great, but. There's no real grade A chances being taken by this Belfast Giants team on many nights. Last couple of weeks we've looked better, we've looked a lot better, but we've played three games against the Nottingham Panthers, who are sad- sadly, not sadly, who are sinking. And um, you know, so that's not really a barometer for where we are. The barometer was tonight where as we speak, you know, the game against the the team that came into the, the SSE arena and took the, the took us out of the uh, the Challenge Cup um but again we had to come from two nil down show character so i was actually quite pleased but again you know um kieran long scored a goal in that you know what i mean and i love longer but he is not supposed to be the 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 number one first line goal scorer for us all uh quinn preston was and you know he did uh but unfortunately it didn't work out for him and he, he wanted to go back to north america and back he goes
0: uh, you mentioned Daniel Tedesco there. He's the guy that needs an arm around the shoulder tonight. He he, he was on the half or He had a chance to play the puck into the slot and kept hold of the puck. He's scared. <laughs> yep. To make a mistake.
4: Yep. He's not the same. Um. You know. You look at um. You look at uh, Johnny Curran. And you know, maybe not getting the minutes. And if he we, maybe if we'd given him higher up minutes, and you know, maybe he would have. Flourished um, in the Belfast Giants uniform the way that he has in in a Coventry and continues to do it in a Coventry Blaze uniform. But, you know, it's just, you know, but, you know, who am I? You know, this, this is Adam Keefe's side. Adam Keefe has won three league titles and multiple t- trophies in regards to the Belfast Giants as a player and our most successful coach. All we do is we pontificate on what we believe, you know, what we would do or what we would do if we were in the same position. Um, so, where's it going wrong? Well, what I do think he's done absolutely right and of the many things he's done right is bringing back and the opportunity to bring back David Goodwin. I think that was huge for us in a means to sort of try and turn turn a, turn a season, a difficult season around. Um, there's a guy who knows how to play and is, who's sun himself up in, in Spain in a league where you play like 10 games, stepped on the ice in the elite league and doesn't seem to have missed a beat.
0: Wow. You mentioned David Goodwin, he's coming four wins out of four. I know we playing a struggling Nottingham side, but mm-hmm. i wrong for me to say this, but I hope it comes across in the point I'm trying to make because Adam Keefe has won a lot. But when does the wow run dry in Adam Keefe relying on previous players from previous seasons? Why should it run dry? Because there's going to well, a point where, where when should... they move on. They, they, they can't, yeah, or you, can't, yes. you can't, you can't, you can't. If uh, David Goodwin's situation was changed, obviously he was obviously in Spain for a reason. It, yeah. it, to bring him back in is a big part. Your captain last year,
4: yep,
0: yep. Scott Conway's. There's always oh, well, let's get Scott Conway back. Will Cullen tried it in Slovakia. I'm just, just my point is that that's not. You can't always do that off a back of a successful season.
4: You, you're right. You can't. But we have. As in, you know, I I totally get your point. I'm not being arsy. That is hypothetical. That is hypothetical. And like, you know, if David Goodwin's available, same Tyler Baskerani last season. Tyler Baskerani had retired, you know. But if Tyler Baskerani is available, do you bring him in? Absolutely, you do. If David Goodwin says, actually, I'll come back and play, do you bring him in? Absolutely, you do. If Will Curl, if if Scott Conway's available, if Sam Rips available, these guys who are proven winners in this league, and we need somebody of that ilk to come in, do you take them? Yes. When does the well run dry? When when they're not available, Scott. You know, when when they say, actually, no, I'm quite happy drinking sangria and and loving my life in Spain. But thankfully, in this case, you know, uh, David Goodwin said, you know, I'll come back. You know, Goody's a great guy. You know, he's a great player in this league, and you know, lifted more trophies. The are most in a Belfast Giants uniform. And, you know, yes, uh, Belfast Giants get a lot of stick about, you know, oh, look, they're bringing back the old players. Who here wouldn't bring back David Goodwin? Who here wouldn't bring back Will Cullen? Nobody, these are these are proven winners in this league. And if they're available, if they're willing to come, absolutely. And if they're not, let's try find somebody else. But first and foremost, you want players who have experience in this league of winning, who know how to play in this league, know how this league is run, know how to win in it. It's a no-brainer.
0: I'm not saying it's not, but <sighs> David Goodwin clearly a good player. But what does he bring off the ice? You're very complimentary of him. But
4: what what um, is he off ice? Leadership. Le- leadership, a steady head, an understanding of what it takes to win, an understanding that if you go two goals down in Coventry, you can still fight your way back to two-two. And understand, like I don't, I don't think tonight's game in Coventry would have got back to two-two if we go back three months, two months. Yeah. Maybe even six weeks. You know, I don't think I think this team would struggle to get back into that game. So, like I said, David Goodwin um, is a, a phenomenally impressive individual to meet. He's, uh, you know, is really quite humble, but you know, but he knows he knows how to lead, and he's a very vocal leader, and he's a very you know, and he leads by example. And you look at when he came straight onto the ice there just the other week um, against yes, and again a caveat against Nottingham. But he hadn't missed a beat. He hadn't missed a beat. Oh, yeah. He came on and he was one of the best players on the ice. And when you're playing in, and uh, with all due respect to Diacka, you know they played Not- Nottingham in, in the uh, Challenge Cup, didn't they? Sorry, the Challenge Cup, the Continental Cup. But, but you know, but it's a uh, it's a it's a league where you play less than thirty games a season. And I think that's what he wanted. I think that's you know, uh, he, what more does he have to prove in this league when when you've when you've won a, when you've won all three trophies? So he's got the opportunity. He spent a, he loves spending time in Spain. But he came back, and we were able to convince him to come back. And I think the mentality in the in locker room, certainly mentality from a from the fans' perspective, has changed because that's a guy who has settled us all. He's come in, he's just and he settled us all down because we know that he can play and he can lead. And with all due respect to, to Mark Cooper, who is a phenomenal player, and I'm, you know, hopefully, he gets back in because his, his injury is hurt, he, and he's been a good captain. But he, I think, even he would concede. You know that David Goodwin brings that level of leadership that that will basically dominate that locker room.
0: Definitely, just two two more from me before the boys come in. Um, the the check to the head call tonight. <laughs> it, I don't think it was a check to the head, but the the positive to come from that is you shut down a blaze team that have won nine in overtime, and you yes. killed a five minute power play. That is big props for the Giants going forward.
4: We were, I think, in that game we were starting to build momentum, and I think that the call was terrible. Personally, I thought it was a terrible, terrible call. I think if it if if it was two minutes, it was two minutes. It was definitely not a five minute major of a check to the head that sort of hamstrung us in an OT that maybe we could have had something from. But you're right; you're absolutely right. We we had a five minute, uh, we had, we have twenty five seconds left, twenty three seconds left in the game when it was taken, and more or less a full overtime on a penalty kill. So to come out of that without conceding and putting bodies on the line and showing that fight and that drive, again, go back six weeks. Do we do that? Maybe not. Um, you know. And I thought the boys who they put in the boys put a hell of a shift in tonight um, to come back from those two 0 and to get that and just take. Yes, it's just a point, but I don't think it's a point that we have um, even six weeks ago.
0: David says the season's not over. The path has a lot. But fair play, Dave. But the Belfast games, you have a massive say in where seedings are, and you've got some great games. You've got a double header away in Sheffield, a double header at home to Sheffield, you've got a double header against Cardiff. There's a lot of hockey still to play, and where do you see this season finishing for the Belfast Giants?
4: We don't stop. Like you know, it's I don't think there's a lot of people who have already thrown their hands up and said, "Oh, you know, let's finish this season." Absolutely not, because. If we don't win the league, I'd like to finish second and take that Continental Cup spot, first of all. I'd really love to be back in the Continental Cup and have another pop at that, because I really enjoy that competition. Um, but Sheffield are a juggernaut at the minute. They are relentless, and that's what you have to be. We've shown that, in, you know that if you go on long runs, and the last couple of league titles... We haven't won a league title the way that Sheffield are sort of going. We haven't done that since the year after Nottingham won it. We took it from Nottingham after about six weeks of the season. You know what I mean? It's like and we went. We I think we won it like in February. You know, and we haven't. We haven't. But we did exactly what Sheffield are doing now, which is we were phenomenal away from home. I think we lost only like two, three games away from home that whole season, and and then held most of the games at home. So Sheffield have the bit between the teeth, and I think the only people that can stop Sheffield winning the league or Sheffield. Um be it, you know, hopefully, you know, you never you never want to see people take an injury. You never want to see and see the Newman taking an injury tonight. And you don't you don't want to see like you know, that guys you hope these guys get back because you want to play against the best. You want to play against the best. And if you want to win the league, you want to win the league against the best. So um where did Belfast finish, if we don't finish first, I want us to finish second. Mate. And I'd like us to give it a really good pop at the playoffs. Um, the last last April's playoffs was the first time we'd won it since 2010, and I've forgotten how fun it was. Um, so to win the playoffs would be would be a lovely, just like to sort of show that we can we can turn our season. I remember hearing you boys talking. Just as a bit of a side, um, and if I'm rambling, just wave and I'll stop. But you boys talking on one of your podcasts and talking about the um the recruitment. And does does the recruitment of Adam Keefe come into question because of the changes that, that he makes? And to an extent, I understand why you were saying it, but you have to make these changes to, if you have to. You know, if you're going to change your season, and if you if you in in the case now, we are you know we want to chase and we want to go chasing after Sheffield the way we wanted to chase after Guilford the way we wanted to chase after Cardiff. So you have to make those changes, and sometimes players don't work out. Is that a reflection? If that a reflection on bad recruitment from Adam Keefe. Not really, because if if eighty percent of your team of the team that you recruited at the start of the season you still go on to win the league, you don't basically say, you know, oh well, you know, you changed your team. We didn't. We 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 tweaked the team. You know what I mean? And last year's team was last year's team was the year before team, but with two, two or three little tweaks. So where can we go? The tweaks that we've made, whether there's gonna be I don't think there's gonna be any more. Um, but yeah, if we don't finish first, then second. Please.
2: It's funny you mentioned about um, the fandom element. And I remember talking to someone who was involved in the CHL and they actually had the, the Elite League as actually one of the top two leagues across Europe, yeah. including the big league leagues, in terms of their engagement, in terms of their involvement. So you it's a point that I think a lot of people maybe don't think about that, actually just how much Elite League fans do buy into the content do buy into the access do buy into that That it's a special element where you get access to players that many sports don't have and I think Belfast given how the team is set up um has a it's a unique um opportunity for fans you know and I think sometimes it's that understanding of yes they are players like you said they're not robots
4: Price. Mm-hmm. If,
2: if, if your guys are robots, you'd be doing them, settings, Bolzano, Saturday night, each every game. It's yes. just impossible. And every yes. team's the same. Um, and I think sometimes it's more important, I think fans need to kind of have that humble moment of, okay, it's not what we want. You do it again. You go again the year after um, or the month after. And yeah. I think, I mean, Sheffield have had that. And probably still are. Cardiff will have that. Uh, you know, every team has that. Even not even had that when they won the league title, which we just don't mention about. Um <laughs> so, you know, and I think, I, think I, th- I had hair back then, dude. Something like that, yeah. Um, but I think it's a point. Actually, a lot of people don't give enough credence to because it's you. You name a sport, and I know, probably you enjoy your sport. But you name a sport in, in the UK that has the the level of access and the level of capacity to be able to critique, whether constructively or just saying you shit the end that like hockey does.
4: The only thing I would say about that David though is that outside of social media right outside of facebook outside of twitter outside of whatever, what coverage does the elite league actually get what were you know what what coverage do we have you know where how do we get the word out Yes yes, we have you know certain newspapers carry some game reports, certain websites carry game reports b b c do a little bit for the scottish game b b c do a little bit for us. But there's no significant like if if you aren't on Twitter or on Facebook or nothing, you, there's you could miss a hell of a lot of the elite league or some of the, like some of the major announcements, some of the major signings, some of the major, because the coverage isn't outside of that bubble. So you find that so many elite league fans are maybe on those just to keep tabs on what's going on in the elite league. You know, it's which which you know it's a tool to be used absolutely what we would want, like take this, for example, right? Take this, take this podcast. You, you three lads do a remarkable job. I've told you that before. And rightly so you're, you're listened to by thousands, right? And it's great. Absolutely brilliant. Likewise, we do a view from the bridge. None of us are officially working for the league. None of us are officially working for any club. Yes, we're an official podcast. I don't get paid or anything like that, but we're doing this because we're passionate about the game. We're doing this because we enjoy the sport. We enjoy the game. We enjoy our teams. We enjoy this. This is something we're passionate about. So we're doing this off our own bats. And fundamentally, you there'll be people out there to get more information from the three-on-three three podcast or a view from the bridge, or get more information about the elite league through this than they get through any other media stream. So. That's a that's more of a challenge to the the elite league to sort of to to sort of um, push it out a bit more. I know that you know Luke does his work, and I know that um, Brooksy's doing doing a lot of work behind the scenes to try to push it commercially. But you say about you know how the elite league has that sort of following from the social media. From the, it's because I don't see where else we're getting. It. You can you can watch the you can watch the DEL on on, on Magenta Sports. You can this SHL they've they, a lot of all that you can watch them. You can they're 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 on not terrestrial television, but they're on you know, they're on television to watch. And a lot of those a lot of the stuff in more hockey sort of centric countries, the information will be in the newspapers, it'll be in the press, it'll be in the, we don't. So the reason why I think that we're so social media focused and why there's so much is because it's the fundamental tool or channel for any information of the elite league. Is through like I, I just just I know I'm rambling on a bit, but just as a bit of an example, there was about there was about three four years ago. I got so just pissed off with the, with the sort of toxicity of of the of the elite league on on social media that I sort of just went and I sort of put it away. And Davey ran the abuse from the bridge account. I, like, I just don't even fucking want to look at it. I just want to be part of it. I just went And I realized after about three four weeks that. I was trying to do a view from the bridge a little bit hamstrung because I was going onto the I was going onto the um, the uh, the official website to get some information and I found myself going through official um, other clubs' official websites to get information on signings on this that and the other because there was no other way of finding out. So then I went back on Twitter and slagged off a load of Nottingham fans and got back in the toxicity of it, which sometimes is actually quite enjoyable.
2: I was going to say I, th- I expect you to enjoy that element of it. Um, one last point, kind of. I'll make before I'll bring John in. You mentioned Keith for his recruitment and and people questioning all that. Is it more a case actually? It's it's the first time because Keith has done well. now, no one can say anything less than if you are, you're lying. Is it actually a good thing? I mean, we kind of said in a, in a way about Cardiff not making the final four would be good for them to kind of do them before reboot. But is it good for him to kind of have that um, adversity to the level of not, you know. Challenge Cup, not the level that he's done for last few years. It's actually good for him because he'll be himself. Because he's he's someone who learns. He's someone who, who reflects on his own coaching capacity and and developing his own you know himself as a coach. Do you think actually it'll be a good thing and and, and therefore makes Belfast potentially more dangerous if he can get things right in his mind and develop it and and deliver on the ice? Let's say next season.
4: Is it a good thing? That's an interesting question. It's an interesting way of putting it, Dave, Um I think he's already learning. I think he's already learning. I think he's already. You know, I think. You know, we already see that. You know, when he's. I'd like to say he's not had this adversity before. He has. He has had this adversity before. We had to chase down Guildford. We had to chase down Sheffield. Sorry, we chased down uh, sorry Cardiff. We had. You know, we had. We had, the, we had. You know, double digit points on both of those. We had to chase down, and we did it. And that's adversity. You know, I mean, yes, the, the chasing down of Sheffield now is probably a bit more difficult. It's it's what 13 points now, um, probably a bit too much. And also Sheffield don't show any sort of weakness. Um, taking, taking the Guilford, sorry, the Guilford, the Fife result this weekend aside, they don't show any sort of weakness with regards to going forward. So I think it's a very different animal. But, you know, I think Adam Keefe, you know, yes, we got knocked out of the Challenge, uh, the Challenge Cup in the way that we did. We're second in the league we're probably going to push on a little bit more and hopefully finish second in the league so to say does Adam Keith need to learn when ultimately we could end up second in the league and maybe in the in the um playoff final not a bad position to be in you know to sort of self-reflect and say what did I do wrong we finished second you know um so yeah I I I can't you know, there's no means to to criticize Adam Keefe in any shape, form, or fashion from my point of view. He's you know he, he's been a, an incredible coach for us. Who's stepped off of the ice as a as a role player and and turned into the most successful coach that we've ever had. Um, who's won you know league trophies, cups, masterminded three home wins in the in the CHL and, and 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 you know and you know yes, there's a bit of adversity this season, but as you boys said, we're second.
1: No, i go in last sucks. I wrote so much stuff down to ask you. And the boys have
4: literally almost word for word asked some of the things I was to <laughs> ask
1: you. Even about going back to go the... off world, the top of your head,
4: Jonathan. You can do it. I'll, off the top I'll, of the
1: I'll head. try, I'll, I'll try and wing it as best as I can. But like, Scott, like, worry, even mentioning you went to a well, I was like, I had that written down. Right, I'll just go a few things I've got left in, um, Mr. Smith. Obviously, you mentioned you like, obviously, the Conti Cup. Um, and I, I do agree. I think the format of that is, is, is awesome. You have like a weekend maybe twice per year. Great start to the campaign. Fantastic wins in the CHL. Do you think ultimately that travel and that schedule cost you a little bit early in the season when you're losing games you perhaps wouldn't have otherwise lost? Just because of a bit of fatigue and a bit of tiredness with travelling and playing all those games so close together?
4: No, I don't... Uh, I, you know, you've got to price all that in. That has to be priced in. It's not as if it's a surprise that you're going to have to travel out to, to Finland. It's not as a surprise you have to travel to Austria. It's not That has to be priced in. So if it did... And that's a shortcoming in regards to the conditioning and the coaching because, it you know, to do that and to face those teams and to go up against them, you know that's happening. You know you're doing that so that you have to price that in as part of your season. Did it? I don't actually think it did. I think, you know, I think if if anything, it buoyed us and it showed, it buoyed us, it buoyed the fan base and it showed what this team could do, which is why it's so frustrating now. It's why it got so frustrating in November is that we were able to see... The ability of this team, we were able to see what this team could produce and, uh, and, um, uh, and the results they could get, and they weren't getting them. So, no, I, and I know that there was a, you know, people say but, you know, um, Playing in the County Cup and you know extra games here and there, but that's the prestige of playing in these competitions, isn't it? That's 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 you know what's the point? You know, I, I, I know I threw you know, and it's not like me to try to stir shit, you know me. But it's like I, I threw a bit of thing out last week, you know about you know Sheffield not being part of it, and I agree, I I fully, I fully, fully believe. I think that Sheffield ran away from the challenge, and regardless of where they are in the league now, that's inconsequential. The challenge was there to be part of a European competition. Guildford had their own reasons. You know, they play in the leisure centre. Sheffield, Sheffield had it in their hands to go there, show show that they were, and arguably, arguably that side could have been the second team to win the Continental Cup. They're strong enough to be the second team, and they had the challenge in their hands, and they ran away from it. And if you want to be in, you know, they'll probably, you know, and they they are odds on to win the league, and the CHL is there as as the card at the end. So what justification are you to go into the CHL if you've turned down this? All of a sudden, well, you know, you're, you're, it's a, this, the, the Continental Cup wasn't good enough for you. It's like, it's, all of a sudden, it just it just didn't sit right with me. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, taking part in these competitions, you price them in. You price them in. You, it, 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 if it did affect us, if it did affect how we were doing it, then, you know, it doesn't mean that we're not going to be part of it. You just have to accept it.
1: Make it on this date right now. That's the first time I've ever agreed with every word you said there, Patrick.
4: I agree <laughs> with the
1: fatigue bullshit that comes out, you know, when mm-hmm. teams lose games. CHL is a massive, massive privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent a couple of years duelling with uh, some Belfast fans about how good taking part in CHL was. And I, I'm glad now that people like South are seeing how important it is and how good it is. And I but agree That's a different I agree with you.
4: thing, Jonathan. That's a different thing. I uh, I would much rather be in the Continental Cup because I think it's, I want to win, as I said this to you is the last time I was on, I want to win Silverware. Are we going to win the CHL? Absolutely we're not. Do we turn down the opportunity to play in the CHL? No, we don't. We did it once before. We did turn it down the very first year. We won the league and we turned it down And I and I thought, that's not right. And I didn't I didn't it didn't sit well with me. And Nottingham went and played it played in in it in our place. It was the inaugural year of the CHL and we yeah. should have been the team playing in it. Now I do I I enjoy playing in the CHL and think I think it's a prestigious competition to be part of. And but I would much rather be in the Continental Cup and I stand by that.
1: I get that. I think as a fan and as a player, it's a great Tournament because it's the weekend. Even the fans that didn't get to leave Cardiff had a great time last weekend. And as you say, we've all got a fighting chance of winning it in this league. Our teams mm-hmm. are good enough to compete. CHL is more of a bragging rights thing. You get to go to Burn and you get to go to Davos and stuff. I may have mentioned I've been to a few these places before. It's incredible. But I wholeheartedly agree yeah, that Sheffield yeah. dropped the ball on that massively and whatever spin. The Sims wants to run it. He's full of shit.
4: Well, um, if you, you can put you, you can put yeah. So just to just to back you up on that point, you can put the spin on it. You can say all the commercial reasons. You can say all they want. It's nothing to not absolutely nothing to do with that. It's to do with ambition. It's to do mm-hmm. with ambition and wanting to play in these competitions. Wanting wanting to show that the Sheffield Steelers or whoever. Can go into these competitions and be part of them and fair play to the Cardiff Devils. You know, they, they picked up the button that, that others basically ran away from. And, you know, I, I, it stuck in my crawl last week when you had Sheffield, some Sheffield fans on, on social media crowing that the, that, that the Cardiff Devils didn't win the competition when in all opportunity, their own team ran away from it.
1: Yeah, there's always a few dickheads around every fan base. We all know who they are. So, don't agree, but you that's usually, to them.
4: It's usually me, man. Yeah, yeah,
1: that was you and I about 10 years ago, to be fair, <laughs> <laughs> when we've been maturing slightly. Um, right, I've kind of lost my track now because you so sort of jumped in. As if you think, you know, Hi, you're me. As that's normally my job normally. I'm normally the giver of the uh, the German in the, in the receiver. Um, yeah, last two before myself. One thing that did surprise me at the time, and I know you can't really take the chance away, but when Besko got taken to the Spangler Cup. Um, timing for me was a little bit unusual, I think, in terms of he'd obviously been injured and poor old Jackson had been playing a long spell on his own, but fatigue had kicked in. Do you really think that was maybe the wisest thing to do uh, with an house skater? I know obviously, when, obviously then Blair Riley went to the Spengler Cup from Cardiff a couple of years back and they could maybe replace him a little bit. Do you think it was the best move to make all round because... He left you a bit short and you dropped some points over that Christmas period as well. And I know the grab is quite big, but that may have cost you, I think, you know, him not being there around Christmas time when the team needed all the help they could get.
4: Tyler Beskerowani has won the Belfast Giants three league trophies. Um, Tyler Beskerowani has won the Belfast Giants. Uh, they came in last season and won us a Grand Slam. Tyler Beskerowani has an incredible amount of credit in the Belfast Giants organization, and rightly so. So I don't think. I don't think there was a choice Um, as in (laughs) it would be really like the opportunity to play for your for your nation in the Spengler cup and the the prestige that 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 competition has and the, the generations that it's been going, the prestige to be part of team Canada and to ice as part of it, as he did, um, does not come around every year, and it came on the back of. He said it, he was on. He came on with us last week, and he was right. It came on the back of his remarkable shutouts and likes in the way he played in the CHL. So to have that opportunity put before him, with the Belfast, if the Belfast Giants had turned to Tyler Besserani with all that he's achieved in our uniform and said, "Tough shit, mate. no, I don't think that's. A, I don't think that. I don't think that happens. Uh, yes. We, Given given the schedule around that sort of time of the year, it's unfortunate, and it's it was you know it's it's not great. I think that Jackson Whistle did a great job coming back in. He's coming back to full fitness. Um, you know, I think he did a great job, uh, and like it's all due respect to the teams that we did play. We weren't playing Sheffield. We weren't playing. We, we, oh, you know, we It was just unfortunate. The timing was unfortunate. Do I? Um, what's the word? Am I disappointed that the Belfast Giants let Tyler Beskorani go to play in the Spengler Cup? Absolutely not. I think he deserved it.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. Last word from myself, then. Um, you've already alluded to the fact you're going to come second, and I kind of We agree might,
4: with you. we might, we might. I kind of
1: agree with you. Um, but look at the schedule. We know there's going to be quite a few games um, towards the end of the year. Four points win games: Sheffield, Cardiff, as the boys said earlier, and yourselves. How far would you be happy to take this now, without conceding? If you're still in the in the hunt now, come mid to end of March, would you be happy? Considering where you are right now, when the gap being as big as it is, would you be content if the if you're still in in with the chow in say two months' time?
4: If we could be still in with this shout, Jonathan, with uh, the bell, with the uh, Sheffield Steelers coming into the SSE Arena to finish the season, I'd be absolutely delighted, regardless of the outcome. You know, we we got you know, but that's that's all down to the Sheffield Steelers. That's all down to how they play. That's all down down to how they drive forward. The bits between their teeth now, and they have the they've got the defense to do it. They've got the goalkeeper to do it, and they're firing. So unless something there sort of starts to trip up a bit. I think that all we're. I think everybody else is playing for second place at this moment in time. Now, we see we we know things can change. We've seen things change. We've seen teams get you know, you know double digit leads and uh, and lose them. We've seen it. We've seen it happen many times. There's a lot. There's and, and more often than not, it's the Belfast Giants who have benefited of that. So, if we can remain in the hunt, and I, I you know one point tonight against um, Coventry isn't ideal. But given that we were two 0 down and we fought back to get a point, it shows that there's a nice, a little bit of bit a little, uh, and grip in this team. So um if we can, yes, if we can still be in the hunt, but if we can still be in the hunt to the point where you know Sheffield win the league, then yeah. But that's up down. That that what that, that is is down to the Sheffield Steelers. It's not down to us. All we can do is we can go in and win games because ultimately. Those four games—the double header away to Sheffield, the double header at home to Sheffield—might be dead rubbers by the time they come around. Dave will hope that they are, but Dave will hope that they are. But that by the time they come around, it could be just we're on a on a build up for the playoffs. And if if they're not, then Aaron Fox has got a lot of questions to answer.
1: Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. This is a bit weird. You and I agree on so much stuff, but I like it.
4: I talk a lot much, of sense Jonathan it's about time you came around
1: to that it shows growth by yourself to be on the same wave things as me I'm really impressed mm-hmm. with your, your maturity levels Patrick, pleasure having you on you my friends. So thank you for coming on and thanks for great answers again and we'll, we'll catch up soon I'm sure.
4: Gentlemen, absolute pleasure as it was earlier this season um, I'll say it again, you guys are doing a remarkable job, you've got a fan of your show in me um, I listen to you every week and it's uh, it's a great show, it's really entertaining, keep up the good work and um I'll see you all, no doubt. At playoffs, where Scott, I will have this shirt. I'm ready, ready to mate. go, ready to go, mate, ready to go. Because Look that forfeit, it. that forfeit is uh, is coming. I will yeah,
1: only come if they qualify. He's already put like his little kind of like you know caveat in there already.
4: So mm. if they're not there, he won't be there. Mm. And we have to be like to the. There've been, been, there've been excuses all season, mate.
0: I will be there. <laughs> A big thanks to Paddy Smith there. <laughs> Lads, it's uh he's very passionate about his club and that how is not it it's always good when
2: we we have paddy on um knowing him for as long as I have, and I know that John's known him for a Phil and I know you have uh, and you always get good value um in in any conversation about any sport um and tonight was no exception uh he did the, the passion we were a few people in the midterms the passion in the voice and', the, and it's the care and we asked some questions that you know probably a little bit and I, I felt that Paddy, you know, stood up to the examination very well and uh, gave some good answers back. Um, it's not all doom and gloom in, in Belfast. Uh They still have, or from Paddy's view, they still have opportunities to influence the title, influence the playoffs to the point of winning it. So there's this stuff there still to play. And I, I did like where he's kind of saying that people say, no, it's all done for, and he's like, no fuck that we've still got stuff to do we still got a job to do I like that there's that it's a good attitude it's a healthy one to kind of go yeah you may not be getting the silverware that we had last year but we can still influence and I think I don't know about you John but when you and I appreciate one person and there may be others who think the same but when you have that kind of attitude in the fan base it develops and it spreads and it then becomes kind of the habit that gets everyone together
1: if that makes sense yeah, but I wouldn't say he speaks for a lot of the Belfast well, fans every one bad weekend. I
2: know he doesn't.
1: One saying no, is. but what I was saying, I think he spoke a lot of sense. He, he came at it the way you should do. You break it down weekend by weekend, game by game, all the cheesy kind of cliches. In reality, it's done, but you know you can't accept that. If you're your a, a, organisation has been built on winning, you can't concede with 20 games to go, whatever it is. So, you know, I'm sure that's the message in the room. You no, know, let's go again next weekend, or we'll try and get some points. See what Sheffield do. They, it's not in their. It's not in their control. They can't control what happens. But he said the right things in terms. Of they're not going to give up till it's done. But I would say a lot of the fans are not like him. They they kind of concede after like one bad weekend, and yet the weekends later, if they win both games, they're back on track again. So he spoke a lot of sense. He um, called a few players out, which I was impressed with um, because. That's not something typical of what a lot of Belfast fans, felt that Belfast fans typically do. They're very um, guarded about their players and they're very protective, and that's fair enough. So I was impressed that he sort of named a few names and and I think he spoke a lot of sense. And yeah, good guest. You know, we have a good bit of fun with him. We've all got passion, the three of us, just like like himself. And sometimes I can mean that you don't agree with each other, but you're coming from the same place and you, you both want the same thing. You want your team to win, and you love the sport and people like him. I'd rather chat with all day long than people who just come along just to see the winning team and then they fuck off if they ain't winning.
2: Just add on what we're saying, I I know he wasn't speaking for everybody, but it's that, it's where I suppose coming from is that mindset and if that spreads throughout and and people kind of, you're right, there are people that will just go, oh, we've, we've, we've shit the big one period, that's it, I'm done. But it's those that can actually go, okay, we can't, like you said, they can't control the league, but they can control the playoffs. And it's that mindset that actually wants the whole fan base for however they do it, but gets behind that makes the day so I won't say he speaks for them all, but it's a mindset that could actually get them firing up the Giants from the stands perspective that allows them the chance to, you know, get on some form of a crest of wave that takes them to the final four if they do, yeah. Um, but like you say, I, I was impressed that it was an openness of these people have struggled and they have struggled, and it's not a criticism of them as people, you know, you go to big organizations with big expectations. And then things happen. And we've seen it in Cardiff, in Coventry, It's best in Sheffield, uh, in, not- in Nottingham. It just happens. Um, and I don't think anybody expected Belfast to have the players that have struggled, given what they've done elsewhere. The, the case in point is Tedesco. We all know his quality. We all know he- what the job he did for Guildford last year. So these things happen. And I think it's fair that it was not called out, but kind of acknowledged. And you know he, he could turn things around and and be that person that gets some twenty got goal, fifteen goals from now to the player final. Who knows?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, it's it's, it's to be fair, it's it's me saying it's, it's a good thing that he was was basically saying that they're not going to give up because a lot of fans don't do that. Don't, don't agree with everything he said. I think going back to players is a is a short-term fix. Personally. If you're building a new, you know, a new team, you're building a team to keep together, short-term fixes, people over the cracks. I like the Goodwin signing to sort of stabilize the team, but they brought like four or five old players in so far this season. I think long-term, it's not sustainable to do that, especially as guys get older. But, you know, we know we're Belfast. You can never rule Belfast giants out. You really can't. And it's hard to judge them in some respects because they picked up seven of the last eight points. Six being a pathetic Nottingham team right now, which may be mentioned a bit later. So it's hard to judge them. Um but we all know when there's trophies at, at stake and titles get given out, Belfast are always there or thereabouts, so you can't rule them out. And even if the league is done, I wouldn't put a pass win winning the playoffs. They're still gonna be a dangerous animal in three months time for sure.
2: They always will knock on the door and they will always they're just always there, give or take. So thanks to Will, thanks to Paddy. Uh, We move on to the next subject, which was the semi-finals. Um, We had the first leg of the first semi in Glasgow, um, as they deemed it, the massive semi. Um, But actually disappointed, a goalless draw. Um, Oh, I know we talked to Will a little bit about it. But guys, was that Glasgow's big opportunity to really give him a chance to park the bus um, and and make the final?
1: I think so. I think um, to travel to Guildford is a big ask. It's not an easy ring to win in. Um, like we talked about with Will, it's still a team a little bit wounded from last season. A lot of the players on that team are still the same guys that missed out last season on the league, and I'm sure they've got a lot of points to prove to themselves and, and to the fans. The fans seem very nice about not winning. Um, they don't expect to win, but as a as a professional... I'm sure every guy in that room, whether they're last season or not, they're going to be keen to to try and put last season's wrongs right. Glasgow, just like we've said for the last couple of years, boys, I I can't work them out. You know, they draw 0-0 last night, probably not the result they would have wanted, and they go to Manchester and get battered 7 tonight. So, you know, I'm not going to make predictions. I'm not very good at them, but I'd be very, very surprised if Guildford don't see them off. If they do, um, then obviously they obviously didn't play obviously either Coventry or Sheffield. Teams they've played a lot recently and they've got good success at. So if I was a better man, yeah, I'd rule Glasgow out. They've missed their big chance, I think. And uh, Guildford have got a great chance now of maybe even winning it. They have a great chance if they get past this next leg. And not a team you want to really play in a one-off game. I was personally. going to
2: mention to Scott the one-off aspect that potentially is the fact. well, is the final, but for Guildford, um, whoever they face in the final it probably as is, 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 current form, probably as dangerous an animal in the league to having a one-off crab shoot for a title
0: Yeah but I feel like Guildford can go a bit flat at times in the home rink they, a few times this season have gone up a few goals and it's been pegged back a little bit and Glasgow have shown this year that they can perform away and they've done it in the big game in in Cardiff they've won in Sheffield without the pressures of that home rink where there are a few naysayers in that home fan base I don't think it's over in the sense that Guildford are going to run away with it potentially an upset for me with the Glasgow clan no pressure everything's on Guildford to win do you
2: know the only disappointing thing is that Guildford's webcast isn't as uh, better than what it is because I can imagine that is going to be a bomb and I agree with you there's, the potential, there's every aspect of a, of a, a shock result there because um, they I, I'm going to guess here that Guildford will go in with an element of expectation that they will do the job they just have to do what they've done a fair amount at earns in one respect because they've got the form at the moment but like you say Glasgow they don't give two fucks where they're playing because they know how to win in, in the games Um I, I look forward to that second leg. Um, and obviously Sheffield and Coventry's first leg is on Wednesday. Um, we'll review that next week. Um, I'm, I'm sure me and Scott will have a, a fun critique of that one. Uh, and I look forward to that however the hell that oh, goes. Oh
0: well, no, hold on. Let's, um... now. That was yeah, my free... no, let's have a wee predictions on how the first leg goes. Uh, f- for me, um, the Blaze are going in with no fear. They will look at Sheffield's results this weekend. We No one expected the loss in Fife. From a league perspective, I think it's a good loss for the Sheffield Steelers because the complacency setting in and just showing that, oh, shit, we can lose. I was a bit surprised by the four-goal give up against Fife tonight. It, it, Blazer going in with no fear. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this two-leg semi-final.
2: I'm looking forward to it and I agree with you it's a good thing but I also think it was a timely kick up the arse like you say that they can lose. Um, I was impressed from an aspect of admitting that maybe outside noise in, in Fox interview after the game but it was complimentary of five last night and tonight um, that maybe that got to players. So it was a weird game tonight. Um, I, I, in fairness the results were more important um, if I'm also honest, I think last year we lose that game tonight. Truth be told, um, I think it has aspects or the prospect of being an absolute barn burner, both legs. Um, if you can get to 2,200, hundred two three, and get that building rocking, you have every chance. If I'm honest, even I think that we will take a goal lead into Sheffield, I think it's going to be one of them type of games. And then it'll be interesting for the the second leg because you know, in fairness, who who you can three goal is great, but Belfast had four and, and screwed it up in a period. So that wouldn't put me as off. I mentioned before, sorry to interrupt, mate, the one team that you don't want to piss about with, you have a down and, and give them no life because they'll
0: bite you on the arse at the moment, is still the Coventry Blaze. Gonna be cliche. Go for that, it. That first twenty in in Coventry is massive. Ma, that was win oh, I was thinking. Yeah, it, it is, massive. is massive, and just because at the moment the blazers, we're mad, we are silly, we're bizarre. We can give up a free goal lead and come back, or we can go up to, and the other team can come back. But just don't want to do that against Sheffield Steelers because of the firepower they have. So that first twenty, just chill. But I'm more than happy if you say you go up one goal and we will take it to Sheffield. I'm happy with that. Because we can frustrate the Sheffield crowd and we have taken both games in the league to overtime. You
2: can do. um, Before we bring John into it, I feel because the one thing that I would say would on history go against us is our form and ability to deliver on games with big crowds, big expectations, like a big league game, like a semi final, second leg. This year, we delivered. With big crowds and games that actually, you before we would have not played well and not won, we've actually played very well and won, very, you know, very comfortably. I'm not saying that's going to be the case against Coventry Blaze. I don't expect anything, but you know, comfortable at all. You know, it will definitely not be decided. It will not be a blowout. It will, you know, there'll be none of that at all. But if we can take a lead of some description to back to Sheffield, I, I, I feel that we will have more in in our favour. And just as long as we just play our game and not go, yeah, we've done it. It's all done and dusted. Because at the time we do that, we're out of the cup. Well,
0: just does anyone know, John? Mm-hmm. Is um, Johnny Curran available to play this game?
1: Mm, interesting question. I'm not actually sure of the rules. You know, the not convinced the league knows the rules. To be honest, and they're generally there to be sort of broken by certain organisations. I can't see why not. I mean, at the end of the day, oh, well, I guess he did play for Belfast, didn't he? He had a thought when he came in late. he think against you guys, didn't he? Cup side? Yeah, I so found, he well, should... Who
2: knows? I don't know. That. That's an interesting one, that.
1: That is a very interesting one. I'm surprised Scotty would take a 1-0 loss, or one goal loss, rather, back to Sheffield. I wouldn't fancy the chances with with a goal behind and a home leg to come. I think timing-wise, Coventry may get lucky on this one. Because uh, my boy Newman got hurt tonight. Still feeling a bit sad about that. So, in a play he didn't need to be involved in at all. So, hopefully lesson learned. Don't get involved. Try to fight when you're not going to fight and then get injured, falling down. Um, so, a bit sad about that. Valorant had a bit of a, a awkward fall last night. Was it maybe just precaution? he didn't play tonight? Not of sure. All accounts,
2: it was more than precautionary. He's okay. Just the opportunity to give him... The opportunity to rest is what I've been from from different sources.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. He did he did finish the game, which surprised me at the time. I didn't expect to see him out so quick, and he came back out again. So, yeah, so resting for Wednesday, then having back against his former club, I'd expect one, maybe even two players, will have to come through the door um, at some point next week or two. With Duma being out long term now, maybe a season never could be done. Oh, I I can't, oh, boys. I'm I'm struggling with this one. I really am because nothing would surprise me. The the way that would have been playing prior to this weekend. Would have been super confident to win both legs, if I'm honest. There were signs on Saturday that they were just a little bit fatigued. And then where there's maybe a little bit of just, I don't know, just rocking into five expecting to win, you know, maybe not being as fired up as they should have been. Five playing with three in Port D and a forward playing on defence to give them two rolling lines of D. You thought, yep, yeah, it's going to be an easy win. No one really did themselves any favours, um, especially the forwards. At tonight in the first period they came out flying. The three one up could have been four, five, six, and then five came back. I think a three three draw on on Wednesday. That's my prediction. So I think both teams will be fairly happy with the tie because it gives Coventry a chance to nick it in Sheffield. I don't think Scott, you know, his confidence may be a little bit maybe too far out stretch to win in Sheffield by at least two goals, and then maybe by the time they play in Sheffield, maybe Sheffield can pick him off. And get the win to get to the
0: final and host it. My my thought process is pressure's off at the Blaze. Uh we and with the goal deficit, if we can maybe sneak one and take it into overtime, we we're pretty successful going into overtime and the pressure is severely on Sheffield. We have nothing to lose. And we can play a little carefree in Sheffield.
1: The one thing I would agree with you on now is, for some reason, Coventry and Guildford are the two teams that can seem to go to Sheffield and get a result. They know how to play in that arena. For whatever reason it is, they can frustrate the home team to shit, and they can suffocate the life out of them. So whether it be like the semi-final Coventry, or potentially, potentially final, which might not even be Guilford, they have to be on the best game, because both teams we've seen win there in the last couple of seasons regularly.
2: I, I kind of understand where you're coming from, Scott, but I'll ask this one question. You're saying it's, there's, there's no pressure on, on Coventry. But we've, and we've said on the pod before that it's probably the best chance from a Sheffield perspective to win the Cup. But equally, isn't it as good a chance for Coventry Blaze? And in that respect, also has a bit of pressure that you've not won anything for a fair while as, as an organisation. You know, Given the opportunities, is there a little bit of pressure and I I agree what you're saying, Seb, is there's more pressure on Sheffield, but
0: is there a little bit of pressure on the Coventry boys? Oh, yeah. If you just spoke to me, yeah. <laughs> we've not won since the playoffs.
2: Pre- if we speak to you, mate, all the pressure's on Coventry. Uh,
0: well, we've <laughs> not won. Play- playoffs 14 15 was our last trophy. Um, it's our first semi final in eight years. Yeah, 100%. But the fan base as a whole aren't expecting us to win. So the pressure isn't there. But, you know, Danny wants to win it. Danny doesn't like the Sheffield Steelers. That, that's that's the whole. There's players with a point to prove. Danny Christo, who came in last year and tried to save your bacon against the, the five Flyers last year. He's going to want to win in Sheffield. McNulty, who was hurt in Guildford last year when they just thought he was surplus to requirements... Brady Norrish, our captain, who's flying at the moment, you know, there are players there that are going to want to win. And that's why I'm pretty low-key about having a one-goal deficit or a, a drawing deficit. Like, look, boys... Stop, giving, stop trying to get me to say stuff, you know?
1: <laughs> oh, like... I, I'll try and provoke <laughs> him another one. So it
2: was
0: only for you for the last two weeks to try and get me to say something, but now i are all... Oh, here. no, but you've won the league. I am I am just, you know? I'm cool about it. Don't get me wrong, Wednesday...
1: Deflection, what's that remind you
0: of, David? What's it he What's He doing? A
2: hell of a lot, yep.
0: Uh, Rishi Finlay. Um,
2: <laughs> I was thinking no, Jacob Rees-Finlay. Um, I'm,
0: oh, I'm really looking forward to Wednesday. I am. First up. and foremost,
1: it's gonna so, be a Delta. sorry guys, it's very windy outside and I, I think Scott looks a little bit distressed when I, he hears me talking because there's a lot of wind outside my house howling away, some kind of storm wherever is kicking off. Last quick thing, Scott, if you did get through, now just again, just correct me if I'm wrong, if you did beat the Steelers, assuming Glasgow got through, I believe you'd host and if Guildford got through, we'd go to Guildford, yeah? No, uh, we,
0: we, we, we've got no chance of hosting. So, even behind Glasgow, yeah, pretty sure. Because is it would it be one, four, two, three? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we have no chance of hosting. Oh, okay. I, I would again, assume
2: I mean, if it's done on the CHL route, you may get better. It depends on the results and everything. If you let's just say you get two regulation wins, that may bump you up.
0: I don't know. I thought we had no chance.
2: No, I think they've done it on. I, I'm, Certain, I've read that they stood on, on the CHL method of points accrued throughout and includes the semi the sixty minutes in the semi final. So
0: because a goal scored and the fact that you Glasgow, know, so you,
2: if you get if you win, it's it's counted as two points towards who gets the most points for the hosting. If it's a tie, it's one point. So like your, your both your games against Belfast were point each, two uh, well, the
1: end game. Well, that's the CHL logic then, because we already established last season that Guildford couldn't uh, host the CHL because of their arena. Should have been then by default then hosted in Coventry then? If it's Coventry versus Flames final, it's unfair to have a final there, isn't it really? So Great get the voice. campaign going now, Scott. You know, so if they right, can so host the lovely CHL...
0: midweek Challenge Cup games at the Sky Dome. I might wear a wig to bring it back to you. a bit of retro. retro. Yeah. News four stone in about two Half weeks as of well. Retro. Exactly.
1: Yeah, the weight uh, might be a bit more of a struggle, mate, to be I'm fair.
2: I'm sorry, John, but it, Cheers, you can't have Scott going into Skydome without the coat. Exactly. <laughs> this time around, but... The thing
1: is, though, they have to take the face-off for about three hours, though. All the handshaking when he walks into the arena, to be That's fair. It, yeah. He'll have to arrive at three o'clock, and then he'll face off at six, so otherwise he can't get on all his people. Anyway, boys, what's the next subject?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh Let's talk about something I think we're all going to agree on, and it is the suspension. Uh, Dobs has woken up. Sean Allen, two games, hit to the head. Let's go round table on this one, because I suspect it's going to be uh, fast and furious. Scott, go for it.
0: What a joke. What a joke of a hit. The puck was in the harvester across the road. Ben Davis has every right to chase that puck in, so his head will be a little bit down, and Allen goes for him. It's ridiculous. Whether he meant to go for the head, I do not give a shit. He was not eligible to be hit. And he gets two games. He's already a repeat offender, so that should be one game. It's a typical DOPs process of one game for me. That's a four-game minimum. It's a fucking joke. Absolute piss me off.
1: Hundred percent agree. If that play was in the fucking league below, he'd be banned for at least like two thirds of a season. That's where they actually probably go a bit too far, maybe in the uh, old national league, um, and they ban guys feel like having a fart. Um, but that's a shocking hit. He, he he clearly targets him. He's actually looking at him as he targets the head. Absolutely shocking, cowardly, stinking hit. And this little Dundee-Cardiff thing that's been brewing in Cardiff regularly, it, it, it's not on. It's not on. There's been a few dirty plays happening, and uh, Dundee taking a few liberties, and I think it's up to Cardiff to try and sort that out because you had Riley Brand, to be fair to him. Then had a fight with uh, Britain twice his size. Fair pay to the guy. He went with a guy like way bigger than him. You can't kind have of guys like Alan doing that in your in, in your rink and getting away with it. And dopps, as we keep just seeming to say all the time, absolute joke. Like Scott said, a repeat offender. That's gonna be worth at least a game. And the and the hit itself is at the, at least three. At least three. Two games. <laughs> Where's the sort of warning like for the players not to do these plays? Because worst case he misses a weekend. Absolute piss take.
2: I agree with Scott, apart from one thing, um, it's the games. For me, that's five to eight games, and I'll, I'll explain why I think it's um, more. The way the hit's made, it's not like it's a hockey play. That is no way a hockey play. Um, he, he's gone for the head. Even though it's of the arm or elbow, he's gone for the head. Now, I joked yesterday... Sorry, there's...
0: David, can I just ask you a question? probably from the point I've seen, I feel he's just kind of went into him, and I'm trying to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. What do you say that makes you feel like he's gone for the head? I thought he was just trying to take him out. So- uh,
2: the, the way, so he, he, for me, he's 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 done lead elbow, and he's gone towards the first bit that he could get to, and that was the head. He's gone to the head. He's, he's not gone to the person because, in fairness, he could have from he's gone from behind. And he's waited till more or less level from what the only view that's been available. He could have just cross-checked him from behind. It wouldn't have been as it wouldn't have been as bad, you know. It probably would have been you know a fair penalty. But to me, he's gone there, elbow up. Let's just go for him. I think that's shit. It's a shit play. Um, I don't. I, and I, I appreciate where you're coming from in terms of giving him the benefit of doubt. To me, I watched that play. I've watched it a couple of times. There's no benefit of doubt. I don't feel that um, he has. He's he's took care of business from a hockey sense. Um, I agree with you all. I'm going to nick a phrase, "Dop shit the bed on this one. How on earth they can give that two games? We've said a number of times, players are the assets to the game and they're the ones that sell. And I know it's only the elite league as everyone likes to say, but player protection is still as crucial. It's still as key. For them to say that that type of hit is okay for two games compared to other stuff that's similar in terms of the number of games they've received and not as dangerous play, I, I I just can't follow the logic that's been applied by DOPS. And I'll be honest with you. It's not on par with. But the outcry on Galacos and, and Fretta, in terms of the outcry, not the scenario, the outcry, should be the same. Because that is no way that's two games. It's like John said, it's a weekend, it's a piss and Ben Davis is like, well, where's my protection? You no, know, this league did a lot of good work, a lot of hard work, absolute hard yards to get a good reputation, and it had got, it has a good reputation. But when you see shit like this, that heart that hurts the reputation because when you see stuff like that, oh, I can get away with it. But a good player, you know, let's say a Sheffield top player or a Co- Coventry top player. Or, that, you know, let's just say commentary. somehow, I say somehow disrespectfully, they get some someone with a lot of AHL experience recently. They come in next season. He does his research. You know, because every league's going to have hits that are just not good. They're going to be shit hits. Oh, they're going to punish you with two games. Do I want to go and play that league? Do I want to apply my trade in that league? And they'll be the questions, and you hear players say it all the time. So, to me it's 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 just a fuck-up on, on epic proportions.
1: I don't get the whole, whole play, though, because it's the nothing part of the ice. Like it's a player that's not going around antagonising their players. He's not a guy has been a rat all night, and he's thinking, right, well, I'll show you, you little shit. You know, you can't, you know, do this to my team. Ben Davis is not a dirty player. Never has been, never will be. You know, he's no threat to your team in terms of... He's a good player, but he's not running around like taking guys' heads off. If he did to Riley Brandt, maybe cut us down a little bit because there's a bit of previous, you know, going on as well. But why Ben Davis? It's a selfish play. He's hurt his team. He's hurt his team. Okay. That didn't happen. Davis wasn't about to score a goal. John, it makes
0: no sense. He didn't hurt his team because there was no penalty called on the play. That's another, exactly. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a joke.
1: Exactly. So more fools, you know, I'd
2: see the wide angle of that of where the view were. Because if, if there was a good view of that play, I agree. I agree with you, Scott, 100%. Um, I, I, I would, I'm intrigued as to what view they had, or someone, or even one of the lines go, what was the view? No, because I think that's where you get the training. It's like, well, why have you not
0: called it? the puck was nowhere the near. Stop, the puck was nowhere near. So it's a penalty. Even yeah. if you call late hit no, it's not, it's interference, no, I mean, but it's... the puck was nowhere near. So what is the ref looking at? The back ref. The back ref surely can see that.
1: No. Yeah, exactly. Because he'd been in line of where the puck's going. The, the, the the puck's obviously going back towards the goal. The, 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 the referee behind should be looking in that direction. I, Scott, I
2: fully agree. It's a penalty. Sorry, I just kind of like, I'd love to see it because I kind of, it's something I find interesting to what to to try and make sense as to why they haven't done anything. The one thing I wanted to throw in as well two games, repeat offender, not the same penalty, but repeat offender. Not his first, not his first rodeo to the opposite season. Again, how. Dops then says, oh, you can do however many times you want. Oh, was, you know, high stick, two games, okay, fine. You could, in essence, he could go to Dops four di- times, for different offences, back to Dops, but not a repeat offender. Uh, am I missing the logic here? If you all keep going to the disciplinary area, should you not start accruing more fucking games? Or am I just am I missing
0: something here, guys? I just don't think they want to wake up on a Sunday. They said they notified Dundee at 9.38. I think... Oh yeah, that's not good. Oh yeah, two games. Oh, I'll go back to bed. I'll I'll put my invoice in for two hundred quid cheers.
1: We'll do it for free. Oh, could you imagine us doing that? Could, could you imagine us doing dots? Yeah, like we'll have a little, little zoom call. Yeah, he's a bad end. Ten games. <laughs> Next
2: <laughs>
1: mate, we if we do that thing, we'll get a we'll
2: get a gig doing the dots on the NIHL. <laughs> um, if we've covered this enough and I think we have unless, some, unless one of you two want to mention anything else on it we move on to we'll go back to the Glasgow Clown we mentioned in the semi-final but uh, I feel there like was a little bit naughty with the, the ticket sales um, Scott would you like to start on this one
0: they were a little bit naughty but then I feel like the fan base a little bit naughty, and I know you shouldn't piss off season ticket holders, but uh, the season ticket holders had a deadline of, um, I think it was a Tuesday, and the clan announced on a Sunday night that they were releasing all the tickets. It was a, I think it was a £10 game as well. Uh, as a season ticket holder, if you were going to buy a ticket, I feel like you would have bought a ticket. It's not like uh, it's a payday weekend and you don't get paid on a Sunday and it's It's not the end of the month, so if you're going to buy your ticket, you're going to buy it. But in the same respect, the Glasgow Clan, what did they gain from releasing those tickets for 48 hours, not even 48 hours early? They were going to sell out for the fourth game in a row with record numbers. It just didn't make sense. The Glasgow Clan didn't need to do it, and then I feel like the season ticket holders didn't need to react the way they did, but in the same token... I can understand the season tickets response. I know one point I want to make is where is the OSC in orderless? Nowhere to be seen again. When there's controversy within the Glasgow clan, which we have every third quarter, OSC radio silence.
1: Bunch of frauds, aren't they? They didn't didn't only speak for the fans. Like you said, they got previous for doing this, to be fair. They're there to be sort of step up and be counted when the fans need a voice. I agree. I think it's a little bit of a more drama than it needs it to be, to be honest with you. Does $40 make much difference? The buy-in? Possibly not too much, really. Equally, did Glasgow just jump the gun a little bit by bringing it 4 by 24, whatever it was, 24, foot hours? There's no point in pissing your fans off the sake of pissing your fans off. And that's what he did. Um... And if they left it till the Tuesday, wherever it was, and then they would have had X amount of days to sell out, they would have still sold out. Because, again, by the same token, they sold out the previous three games. So it would have sold out. It was all drama for nothing. And then they went into a bit of a PR overdrive. Oh, by the way, he's back next season. He's back next season. Just to try and make people forget while they fucked up. So a bit sneaky that. to be fair. I don't think for one second they'd be announcing those players coming back next year if they hadn't fucked up. So... Bit of damage and limitation, I think, at that point. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, it just seemed to be just unnecessary the whole thing. To be fair, and both sides were possibly loving the wrong.
2: We would do something to fuck up at the clan, were not we? This year, it's just around time. It's the annual thing. Um, not as bad as last year, but we would do something, and you kind of go: Was the clan? Was it worthwhile? them kind of doing the release less than forty hours. Probably not, because they were sold. Equally, was the, the outrage worth it? Probably not. I agree with Scott. I think what Scott said, in terms of if you're going to buy a ticket, you're going to buy a ticket. Um, if you're seen ticket holder, because you get the first dibs on your seat. So I don't... In essence, it's much ado about nothing. And again, though, yeah, supporters club. Very quiet. And knowing how supports clubs work across the country in terms of how hard working they are in general, and yes, some work harder than others, and some have better opportunities and better working relationships, etc, et etc, cetera, etc cetera, et cetera. but the OSC, they again seem to be wanting a little bit on this one, and it's do they want to rock the boat, and are they is it an organization that is scared of rocking the boat? you know they'll them they'll tick. The currency from the for the membership, but doing nothing for it. I, if I'm a fan, I'm a Glasgow fan, I'd start asking questions. I'd, I'd start asking questions as to what and why and, and how are they going to represent and how can they get to the management here to say, "Is this the thing you want to do?" I think they need. I think the fans of Glasgow probably need Ooh. to kind of start asking a question a bit more of the OSE or at least the members, because it you know. You could outside looking in you could say they've let them down and is that a good thing you know you look at it from the scene ticket sales they've done well on that front there was an air of positivity kind of new regime and everything and all that to kind of have these little things it's it needs someone to kind of say we had a bit of a, a bad duel last year we don't want to go back to pissing off as fans on purpose unnecessarily and I think there's been a a few a few missed opportunities across the board.
0: Let's say I wouldn't mind trying to get Mr. Aaron Murphy. on.
2: Maybe we should. Yeah,
0: maybe, oh. maybe we should try and ask him just to because fans want answers, and um, he is doing a very good job in what he's doing. Yes, here, uh, with the the clan chats, with the stuff that he does in the webcast, I feel he'd be very very beneficial guest So hopefully that can happen.
2: Well I think we'll start we'll ask that question in due course. I have nothing else on the agenda. Um so we'll move on to AOB. I've got one, um John, what's yours? If you have any?
1: Uh Nottingham Panthers, season over. Uh we obviously don't know what's been going on throughout the season and we know that's uh it's been tough and I feel for the fans who go week in, week out, and I feel for the uh Players are still trying. Um, maybe the system obviously still struggling, but they're just not even in games. They got battered again tonight. They've lost the last four or five. Um, they play Sheffield at home next game uh, next week, so maybe that's probably the team that they'd love to get their sort of season back on track. Where's the leader? I understand there's like a language barrier. Of course, he's not English first language. By the same token, Pep was doing, you know, interviews pre-October. Um, I yeah, had like striking out tonight after the game, laughing and joking. And I'm just I'm just not sure what's going on with Nottingham, to be fair. It just seems to be that the gap between them and the eighth spot is getting bigger and bigger. And whilst they've got games in hand, they need a bit of a run of form now to try and bridge that gap. And uh, Nottingham not getting to the top eight seems a ridiculous statement to make in any year. Um, especially they started the season so well, but I've, I'm worried for not in them. I think that uh, the longer it's going, the gap's getting bigger, and they may not even qualify for the top eight. What are your thoughts, boys?
2: Different scenario, but it's similar to when Cardiff didn't make the top eight, um, however many years ago, where, where they just didn't even met the, the, the quarterfinals. Completely different scenario. There's this, there's obviously you know, the, the, there's this something missing. In that team and yes it's been well documented of what's happened and a lot of people rightfully in one respect are praising him for at least to keep it going but from a team perspective they need to have something and whether they are, they are trying to get more bodies in to really generate some some freshness some positivity uh, I don't know and now is Omar and and pet scout in the market I feel the need to just to give them something to kind of give them opportunity. Cause I, I'm with you, John, I think the gap's beginning to start to get bigger and with their run of form and they'll see that gap get bigger. They're just going to be like, how on earth are we, are we making an eight spot? How? Um, so if you're looking from a Nottingham perspective, again, considering all, all what's happened, There's some questions that may need to start asking us what are they doing to try at least put all their eggs in to
0: get Apespot? Look, they need to do something, and I'm a bit perplexed how (laughs) they've not done anything. Nottingham as a venue to play in, great. City to live in, great. And a story that you could come in and win a trophy if you got the playoffs would be a fantastic story. It, it it just it just bothers me a little bit the way the Nottingham Panthers are going about their business, and uh, it's, it's it's a shame. And I'm going to make a bold statement: the Nottingham Five don't make playoffs, and the league table the way it is, barring one change, will stay the way it is. We'll note that down. And we'll see I think then. I think I'm
1: I think I'm agreeing with that to be fair. I'm gonna to have to sort of withdraw my uh ninth place suggestion for Dundee um within two weeks of actually making such a suggestion. Is this um, from peer pressure,
2: John, just out of interest?
1: I was just peer pressure, it's, it's it's based upon my own eyes are seeing firsthand how poor certain teams are. Uh and I have not much faith in I still think they'll scrape the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to come ninth. Compared to teams like Fife, I I don't want to say about Fife. I watched both games of the weekend. Um, They play with about four players um, and somehow they took two points on the first game and they battled like Warriors the second game. Fair play. If Fife played that way every weekend, they wouldn't be 10th place or 9th place, wherever they are right now. I think they're 9th. But over the course of the year, you know, we've talked about it before with the Brits and stuff. Anyway, we'll talk more. We won't have Laura on this week, uh, but Laura obviously, sadly, is not very well today. So we'll talk more about five next week, and we'll go into five a bit more. But five stunned me how good they were all weekends. But we know five will just re- revert back to type, and they'll probably end up being tenth. And I think Scott's right. I think at the minute, not, I, know, I can't see being any higher than ninth because there's just no. <laughs> there seems to be no positives coming out of that club right now in terms of. People saying the right things, players play in the right way, and they need a massive, you know, injection of some sort of energy. Whether it be a change on the in the playing side of things, which is probably an obvious thing to suggest. The coach needs to get himself going because he seems to be missing at the moment. And for me, I think yeah, the league is more or less as it will end come the end of the year. Maybe give or take a few spaces. and not not to qualify would be a massive story, huge. It Would be indeed.
2: Uh, any other business, John? Shake your head from there. Scott, do you have any uh, other business?
0: Yeah, we kind of mentioned it earlier. What are the only NHL playing at? They want to develop ice hockey players in the UK, and they're just banning them for breathing. It's a joke. I was, I I seen. I was speaking to Jamie McElroy about it, and he says... Oh, if he wasn't in the Falklands, he'd come on, because uh, his, his internet isn't the best over there. This, game, this guy's getting banned for absolutely nothing. They've got a penalty point procedure where you then get a two-game ban. There's guy's getting called for checks to the head that's not a check to the head, and then this guy's wielding sticks and getting less for it. Look... And is not our bag. We can fully admit that. But how is this game going to grow when that's happening in the league below? Making our dops look serious. It's a joke. And
1: just the only thing for me is, though, Scott, on the back of that, what worries me, and I know a lot of the guys are older guys that probably still stick around and they, they love the game, but if they're playing like, X amount of games and they're going to get banned for half a season, how many players are we going to lose to the game? You know, what's the point a guy that's trying to, you know, play alongside a part time job or a full time job, getting banned for 15, 20 games, missing half a season? Why even still carry on playing hockey? If it's the kind of bullshit they're going to be pulling, Jeremy. So you don't be putting guys in a stand for half a season unless they do something ridiculous. So they're one extreme to our extreme, like we couldn't be further apart. We're not banning guys for long enough. And they're just like, Ending player seasons almost, you know, and it just shows how the leagues just don't work in sync with each other and there's just so much, you know, politics and uh, disparity and no coming together at all, is there? There's just no one caring about the next organisation. No pathway at all.
0: Imagine having two fucking people that come together, you know. It's
2: entertaining, especially, Um, what was the game, Is it? Streatham in Victor. Yes. It was about 70, 80, 90 games worth. The bands. It's in, it's a, and, and the worst thing is they put the bands out with no video. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I
1: was listening to what you this morning on his podcast and I think they're making a, a change soon to the, the Dops in that league and him and Bandy seem to be happy with the uh, proposed change to that. So hopefully there might be some change for the positive and then whether we're going to get that gig and when it gets announced there'll be a better system apparently in place. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know who that is, but um, they they got something in the pipeline apparently which would make it better. But I'm not sure which I hate them more. I our I, 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 adopters so are just don't ban players for dirty hits for long enough, or just guys getting banned for like just stupid things. I don't know. But
0: you look at the tiers. The tiers are three to twenty games. How is a tier of three to twenty games like? How can it be a seventeen game? oh baffled boys.
2: It's it's entertaining that is for sure. Any other business, sir uh, Scott? No. Okay. okay. My one is a congratulations to your two on the Alex O'Dea interview. Um, uh, sadly weren't available. Um, would have been great to be in, interviewing a, a local lad. Um, but uh, I listened to it. Absolutely outstanding. Alex is fantastic on the interview. Like John said many times, he's someone to watch, progressing. Um, but I was also impressed with his confidence, um, and it didn't feel like it was too um, media trained. It was bit, it was honest. It was not raw, but it was honest. And you know, he, he gave some great answers, pushed your guys in areas, and it just produced a, a great episode on overtime. So, guys, well done on that one.
1: Yeah, we enjoyed it. To be fair, he was uh, a good lad. He'd had a tough couple of days. He was a bit poorly. We'll leave it at that. Um, so we had to delay it a slight bit. Did it from his bed, would you believe? So that's how much a warrior he is doing it interview from his bed, bless him. Scott shaking his head. I'm giving him credit, Scott, you know, and again, more credit for the guy. He could have said, No, I'm not very well, but he did it from his bed. And yeah, he's a mature guy, yeah. unbelievably well, well brought up, I think. His parents should be proud of him. Um, I'm sure they're, you know, they're basically sort of, uh, a uh, key factor in in how mature he is, great attitude, and he's got a long way in a very short space of time. And if he keeps that going, I'm excited to see where he ends up because he could be a superstar. His attitude is tremendous.
0: His attitude was tremendous, and me and John were stunned when he said that he had to he lost his best mate, and then Matt Ginn had to play him that night. And I also want to give credit to Matt Ginn. To say, look, sorry, mate, you've got to go in. I don't want you to go in, and it just shows his his love for the game and how much he now loves the Manchester Storm. Like John jokingly said about getting him in Sheffield, and the next two years he was like, no, I'm purple, I'm not, I'm purple, because I feel like that's because the Manchester Storm have given him a platform and treated him really well he's in a house with Sullivan and Corral and Martin, and he's just loving playing this game. And he, I I really have all the overtimes we've done and people can look and go, Oh, it's it's the backup net minder for Manchester storm. Uh, I'm not re- Should I listen to that? Yes, you should please listen to it guys. Uh, me and John were humbled. I think John would agree with that.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, it wasn't a guy that we had a lot to kind of go on research-wise. It's not like you can go on Elite Prospects and you can find out some stuff where you can do a bit of reading and you can blag a little bit. So we thought, okay, this could be very quick and it could be very short. It could be very nervous. Probably my favourite one we've ever done. Now we've had some big players on. We've got a couple of big names kind of, you know, going forward. Um, just back to the point I've playing in Sheffield in two years. That's a work in progress to okay, I'm not going to give up now. I'm going to badger that guy for the next couple of seasons. So we'll watch this space and, uh, you know, I'll... Uh, Take pride in the fact when I see him skate out in the home from the home dressing rooms. Um, but yeah, he was great, and I think the whole fucking household is, in, is tremendous. Like, Mikey Corral is just brilliant, Sally is brilliant. We'll have him Matt on at some point. I just can't imagine the fun they must have in that house because they're all good characters and all good downs are worth good blokes. And I agree with Scott, Ginn does a lot of credit. You know, he's got let's just say not the best facility, um, not the biggest budget, but teams hate going there, but players that play there fucking love playing there. And they seem to like playing for him. And I'd, I'd love to see them have a good season Manchester this year. I'd love to see them get the top eight because they got good people at their organization, really good people that are trying to make it better. And yeah, having him on was just fantastic. And as Scott said, we were both blown away how, how much fun it was to, to speak to the guy and, I just can't wait for him to come on again, you know, in a few months' time and just see where he is. He's probably playing in the AHL by the summer, to be fair. So, you know, the way he's going now would surprise me if he is uh, in North America. And
2: it's it's surprising what happens when you give a bit of love to a backup goalie or a British player, you give him the, the confidence, you respect what's happened and you give him that platform to go, go ahead. And he's shown what he's already done for Manchester and probably, you know, would I be surprised if he gets more games this season for Manchester? Wouldn't be surprised. He's he's given the platform. It's showing what I mean, it was hilarious that as fans are already calling for Gin's head uh, in Manchester. And you're like, the job that he's doing, the stuff that he's doing at Manchester, in his first coaching job, and you what you hear, and it's not the cliched stuff you hear from people and players, but the stuff you hear and the stuff you see, and you're like, now nah, he's got them doing some good stuff. You know, you've, yeah, you've got a, a coach that will develop a mold. Yeah, you, you know, they may have a bit of a, a, a goonish element when they need to, but all hockey teams do. They've not only got a coach, but they've got a backup who theoretically they could be the next hull that take the punt on a guy to be a starter, But the next Ben Bounds. Who knows? Time will tell on that one. But no, seriously, guys, you're a great interview. Um, just a shame I was at a party that I couldn't uh, join on to that. So. <laughs> I think that's all for any other business. It's been a bumper one again. Next week's will be the last bumper one, and we're back to our short, sharp, and swift hour episodes. Um, so, socials very quickly X, Instagram at Free and Podcast UK, Facebook, Free Free Podcast UK, do the searching. Spotify, if you want us listen to them there, subscribe. We're getting great numbers on there. Um, thank you to everyone who's listened to our midterm reviews. We've, we're, we're surprised, just the numbers. We, we weren't sure how you guys and girls would actually receive the longer episodes, but you have done. Thank you ever so much. Um, let's call it a night, guys. John, Scott, thank you, as ever, for your, your time this evening.
1: Thanks, guys. past midnight, past, past uh curfew, usually. So I think it's time to uh, let Scotty do what he does best.
0: What? Go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> yes. But you know,
1: if uh, you do something else before, you go to sleep, mate. Okay. Um... What?
0: <laughs> <sighs> you can tell he's getting tired. You know what God. I mean, Scott? Uh, Blaze four-point weekend. Let's go. It's the gate. There you go. There we go. That's the gate close on
2: another episode on the Free or Free podcast.